0: All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Rich, alongside, as always, the man himself, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going?
1: I am Joe Lanza. That's right. You are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's good. And what you've been hearing in the background, if you're hearing a little bit of a different thing out of our normal intro, uh, it's actually a clip from a new album that came out, The Sparks Foundation, Parts Unknown. And that's uh, people that follow us or have been longtime time f- you know, listeners of this site will know. Uh, John Sparks is a guy who's been a friend of this site, a long-time listener. He's a big music engineer. He's he's big in the hip-hop world, Joe, which I know you are uh, just equally uh, as well with, with John Sparks. But him and Emilio Sparks, they're the Sparks Foundation, which of course is a an ode to the uh, the Heart Foundation. They released an EP uh, last week called Parts Unknown, which again, another ode to wrestling. And the entire theme of this EP, which they, they did one a few years ago as well, the same thing, is basically just various you know hip-hop producers taking wrestler entrance themes and making new songs out of them, getting rappers to that that like wrestling, they don't necessarily have to be, re- you know, all about wrestling. All of every, you know, line that they put in the album, but they like that, you know, you're, you're a fan and you can drop some stuff in there. So it's it's really cool. And I think anybody, if you're a fan of wrestling or rap. One or the other, I think you're going to like it. Uh, you can listen to it on SoundCloud. Uh, you can go to massappeal.com. It's streaming on there. Or if you want, just Google Sparks. Uh, that's Sparks of the Z Foundation and look for Parts Unknown. But uh, John Sparks has been a longtime supporter of this website, uh, this show specifically. He's designed logos for us, done a bunch of other good stuff. So go show him some love as well and check out that Parts Unknown uh, EP that he just put out. So,
1: Tom's River, New Jersey.
0: Oh I, oh, I forgot he's a local boy. Yeah, right.
1: Tom's River, New Jersey. Also the home of Todd Frazier.
0: Ugh.
1: Oh, that—that that just gets a groan out of you.
0: Uh Todd, yeah. Remember, remember, there was that first week. Remember when I was like, "Ah, thanks for Todd Frazier, Joe." It wasn't like, just
1: you. You know that—that—that uh, that, that uh, Jerome Kusan listening from China. He was <laughs> ripping me too. Uh, ha ha ha! We got—we ripped you guys off. What a terrible trade. How you guys feeling about Todd Frazier now? Now, <laughs> got, le- now, let me ask you. Got thirty-eight
0: dingers. That's all right. But uh, yeah, the the rest of it, not too, not too great. So.
1: Didn't I try to warn you? Um, he's at his line right now is two twenty-one, three hundred one. That's not great. 459.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> which is an amazing, amazing number too. you and I had talked about this offline. But to have and again, nobody, everyone is turned off already by this point, because God only knows this baseball talk doesn't. But to have a 459 slugging percentage when you have 38 home runs really takes a lot of effort. Like you really have to try to not ever hit a double. You know what I mean? To do that, like you are either home run strikeout or nothing. If that is your slugging percentage, he's
1: got 17 doubles. Now, that's now for perspective, for, pers- <laughs> for perspective, Rich, last year he had 43.
0: Right. In a down year, he had 43. He had so.
1: 43 doubles last year. This year he has 17. He's got a 450 slugging with 38 home, with a career-high 38 home runs, which is very hard yeah. to do. But, hey, the on-base percentage is back over 300. I mean, yeah, so he was there you settling go. <laughs> in about 290 for most of the year. He, so I don't
0: want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, Joe. Move on.
1: Now, you got him one more year. And then uh, you know, I think that's one more arbitration year. He's not going to be cheap because those home runs are going to earn him a lot of money. So he'll probably make about eleven million next year, eleven somewhere, eleven to thirteen million somewhere in that range. And then uh, you think they'll try to shop him in the off season?
0: I think they'll try. I don't know if anyone's going to take it, but yeah, I think they'll try.
1: You think there'll be an attempt made?
0: Uh yeah I well I don't know with this team you never know <laughs> the White Sox I wish I could tell you with the White Sox but uh, I I don't know but yeah I, I would imagine they try something but God only knows with this team and this organization I don't you're depressing
1: me everybody let's talk about wrestling everybody laughed at that trade from the Reds perspective Jose yeah. Jose Peraza three twenty four three forty six as we speak sixteen stolen bases in sixty three <laughs> games sixty three games oh. so everybody laughed at the Reds. For-
0: we just assume our entire farm system's awful, so that everybody sucks. But sometimes they're good. So
1: how these trades work out. Sometimes it's like you, you, you got to let these things play out. I know, just like wrestling, right? It's 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 like an instant take society that we're in. You know, you have to have the take right now. But you know, sometimes you got to let these things play out. Rich, you know, you just you just you got to let them play out.
0: <laughs> Be a theme for the rest of the show. By the way, we got plenty to cover today. Uh, we got tons of topics all across the world of wrestling. Uh, as Joe mentioned, there we got the uh, destruction shows, all three of them. We're gonna preview a show, review two. Uh, we got some interesting uh, news about the Shibata injury, Ricochet and his future in New Japan and, and abroad. Uh, WWE Clash of Champions, the cruiserweight debut on Raw, the Observer Hall of Fame. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, Dangerous Gate, the Dragon Gate show from this morning as well. Uh, and then K. JoJo and Minabu Soya, maybe. Well, that's, that's a shrug there, but we got some interesting news there. But plenty of stuff to get to, Joe. Uh, we do have some things to get out of the way before we do that. Though.
1: You don't need to choose between price and quality anymore, Rich, to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer to prove how amazing their shave really is. Right now, they're going to give you the first month free to join the club. That's right. The first month is free. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your front door for a third of the price Of what those nefarious, greedy razor corporations charge.
0: Big razor. I hate big razor. Everyone hates
1: big razor. Nobody likes big razor. Here's your chance to see why over 3 million members, like Rich, love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality of all their products that now you can get the first month of the club for free. Did you hear me, Rich? That's for free. All you pay is the shipping. That's it. And then after that, just a few bucks a month. No long-term commitment. There's no hidden fees. They're not trying to screw you here. Uh, there's no reason not to give it a shot. Go to dollarshave.com, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Get your first month free.
0: Good stuff. I've been using their stuff. I enjoy it. All of it. I've The soaps I enjoy, the body washes, because it's not just shaving as well. That's the other cool thing as well. If, you're, if, you're, if you want to broaden your eyes and say, hey, I don't, I don't shave all that much. I don't really care to do that, you're good. You, you still get, you know, they have soaps. They got body washes, a bunch of other stuff that I've enjoyed. Aftershave gels as well, if you want that. Just a lot of good stuff there. So I've, I've enjoyed my Dollar Shave Club so far, and you can as well. Start your
1: free month. Why not? Why, why, why wouldn't you start your free month, Joe, right? Come on. Free is good. You know what else was good? Destruction in Hiroshima. Did you enjoy the mm-hmm. show, Rich?
0: I did. Thank you, <laughs> Shima slash Johnny Gargano. I did enjoy the show. What'd you think of it?
1: I thought it was a, a nice, easy-to-watch show. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was good, Um
0: but yeah, yeah. Was there was there anything really bad? Like I, I was trying to think back when it was all said and done. I mean, of course, other than like uh, probably the Gorilla's Destiny one, which I would say probably was the worst match. But even that was like almost tolerable because I thought Rapagna did pretty good in there. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun little card to get through, and it seemed like a, a quicker card to get through. Like I sat down to watch it, you know, it's three and a half hours or whatever, but it seemed to fly by pretty quick because everything kind of hit a level um, and never really went. Above or below that or whatever so you got kind of caught in a malaise a, a little bit just because everything was kind of okay, but nothing was really bad I would say in this card did did you really anything strike out to you as being like particularly bad i I don't
1: think there was that's what I mean it was an easy to watch show because nothing was bad, and there was really when I look at this show there was only one match that didn't that was meaningless that was pointless that really uh, had nothing to do with the booking moving forward. everything else on the show at least had some meaning behind it. Uh, You know, not in terms of maybe uh, everything meaning something in terms of the main events at the top of the cards, but there was a booking purpose to every match on this show with the exception of, I I think, just maybe the second match. So Mm -hmm. that helps, too, when... Like you said, okay, the Gorillas of Destiny match, that was a two-star special, right, right? against Roppongi? Bison. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there, there, was, there was a booking purpose behind that match, which played itself out later in the show. So it, every match— Unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I mean, which, which is one of the, the negative uh, things of this show. But um, what we're going to do is there, two of the three destruction shows happened since we last recorded. Now, the Hiroshima show – or the, did we settle on Hiroshima or – He we... never – no.
0: He sent me some like vague tweet that I didn't understand, so I just said, I don't understand what you're saying, and then he never replied. So uh, he, he, it was trying to be some like mnemonic to try to teach me which it was, but it only confused me more, so I still don't know. So let's – you and I agree on one. How about that? And then we'll go with that for the rest of the show. What, what do you want, Joe? What do you want to go? I
1: have heard Hiroshima my entire life.
0: But you just went Hiroshima right I there. I did.
1: <laughs> Because I'm I'm confused and I have no idea which one to go with.
0: Um, ha- let's go Hiroshima, just because you know it's there's not you know we know Ashima and that's you know C I M A. So let's go with, with let's go with Hiroshima. How about we'll go that? with Hiroshima. There we go. Okay.
1: Destruction in Tokyo also happened since we last recorded. That was a couple days ago on the 17th or something like that. So what we'll do is we'll do a deep dive on Hiroshima, I think, and then we'll uh, go over some of the more pertinent things that happened. On the destruction in Tokyo card, talk the business end of each one a little bit too, and then do a quick preview of uh, destruction number no. three, which is the Kobe show, which will be the biggest show in terms of size of the building and and uh, and, and, and attendance, which is coming up on the 25th. So we'll yes. quickly preview that one, and then probably have a uh, review of that one next week. But uh, and then uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be a fifth and a sixth and a seventh destruction. <laughs> I show. know, jeez. jeez. But uh, but uh, it's
0: it's confusing. It's been a very confusing week for like you and I having to have a conversation earlier where we were trying to figure out what shows or what and what we're gonna and like you said Tokyo. I meant Kobe, but I meant to type Kobe, but I typed Tokyo. And you were saying what about it? it? Was like it's so confusing to try to get these three together. But
1: I tell you what, for splitting it up into three shows, they really. The the lineups aren't bad. You know, it's pretty crazy. They could have done one mega show where they had. I mean, you could have done. I mean, look at the top matches on these shows. Okay, if you put all of this on one show, if you have. Okay, I'm going to give you the matches. You ready? Um, Think about if one show had Elgin versus Naito for the Aaron Connell title, Bushi versus Kushida for the junior title, Shibata versus Fish for the never title. Um, the the Okada bad luck following match, Omega versus Yoshihashi for the briefcase, the Briscoes versus the Bucks for the tag team titles, Adam Cole versus Ospreay for the ROH title, and the the uh, I guess you can't do the six man title match. I was gonna say the
0: Bucks would the Bucks would have to do double duty, but that's alright.
1: you can figure just that all out. of those matches. on yeah. <laughs> I mean that's like six or seven matches, and then you could fill in the the rest. I mean, I didn't even mention Tanahashi yet because. Honestly, they've buried him on He's no higher than third from the top on any of these shows. On one of the shows, he's fifth from the top. So, you know, they were very bold with their booking to split up these three shows. It's sort of been a mixed bag business wise. The Tokyo show, okay, in the Ota Ward gym drew 2,803 fans. 2,803 fans. The last time they ran that building was New Japan Cup, they did 2,900. So they were down about 100 fans from the New Japan Cup show. With a junior title match on top, with Bushi versus Kushida on top, that one, look, I can't call that any kind of major win or anything, but I can't really call that a, a, a disaster.
0: Or, or. Yeah, I think what you're looking for there is just that it doesn't completely plummet, that it's not a thousand or it's under, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the only thing you can really take—a hundred, give or take here and there. That I, I don't know that you can really focus heavily on and go, "Oh, that's that proves it." You can't, you know, you can't have juniors. Oh, New Japan's hurt. Like, I think that, like, a, a, anything short of like a number, yeah, like 500 less to a thousand less or whatever, yeah, then we can start saying, "Oh my God, look at that," you know, and Kushida they, they're not but 100 I mean that's okay whatever you know there could be a lot of circumstances that lead to 100 people not showing up you know what I mean so I'm not gonna freak out over basically
1: that basically flat right for all intents I mean the thing with that is for the main event that they put out there Bushi versus Kushida for the junior title I, I you know that's kind of a win for the juniors if you ask me to hold steady from the number they did earlier in the year for a new Japan Cup oh. show.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because
1: the New Japan Cup show is a much bigger show than this show, than the than the number three destruction show headlined by a junior match. To me, that's a win for Kushida and Bushi. More so Los N'Gabra Nobles than Bushi himself. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely! I was—I was about to say that it's not like Bushi came in here like a like a you know a storm or, or whatever like you know winning, like be, this isn't like that big time junior matchup that's like oh my god everybody has to see this or whatever it was kind he of was a weak you know, challenge honestly yeah I mean he ended up you know we'll talk about it, but he ended up winning but he was yeah he, he, the momentum coming in wasn't like oh my god I cannot wait to see this battle between Bushi and Kushida it was more of a formality at that point uh so yeah it's it's a little bit more of Naito and 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 just that stable in general that you got to give a little bit of credit to I think you also have to give a little credit to Shibata as well because he is on that other card or you know the semi-main or whatever with bobby fish who i don't know if i'd give much credit to buy. i don't know how many people are really buying tickets for bobby fish
1: but yeah how many, I'll yeah. Tell you how many.
0: Yeah. zero <laughs> i was gonna say i don't know how many native japanese cannot wait to see bobby fish but so i give a little bit of credit to Shibata too and and again like we say credit in the sense that people are gonna go oh well they didn't they didn't do anything they got a 100 less or whatever i i honestly i do believe holding steady is a success for these, you know, these three or these two, or if you want to say Shibata, Kushida, and then I don't know if you want to lump, lumped in Gobernabilis in there. I think that's a success, that it didn't plummet, that it didn't absolutely, you know, fall or cave in on itself. I think that's a big deal. I really did They do.
1: held serve with this show with Tanahashi third from the top and Okada fourth from the top in, in six man tags.
0: Mm-hmm. And your other singles match being O'Reilly versus Juice Robinson, which I don't know that that many people are really like you know, clamoring to see that one either. So, Might be about the same amount of people that wanted to see Bobby Fish, which is zero. But
1: to me, I view that as a win for Kushida. I really mm-hmm. do. And Shibata to a lesser extent. Now Shibata has headline shows this year as never champion that did in the two thousand range. He's you know they're slowly bringing him up and elevating him. Um, and I really believe he's winning G1 next year. I still I, I stand behind that. But uh, I I consider that a minor win for Kushida doing the 2,800 fans for that show. Now, the Hiroshima show was a business failure because this one did 2,800 fans and the last two shows in the same building. Now, they did have a show in Hiroshima earlier this year, a Bessa Super Junior show, but it was held in a smaller building and it did like 1,800 fans or something. But building to building, the same building that they ran here, which I can't remember the name of the building, but –
0: that's uh, the, the Sun Plaza gym, yeah. I believe. Yeah, the Hiroshima Sun uh, Plaza. Yeah, yeah.
1: 2015, New Japan Cup Final, drew 5,100 fans. Okay? And the, it was uh, Kota Ibushi versus Hiroki Goto. 2014, a destruction show. Same building. Good comp, right? Same time of year. Same building. Both of them were destruction shows. Also did 5,000 fans. That was, I believe it was Tanahashi versus Nakamura. So little bit of a difference when you're going up head-to-head against Tanahashi Nakamura and going head-to-head against a New Japan Cup final. I think what this shows is where the Destruction Tokyo show, we can call that a win for Kushida and a win for the juniors. This is a big loss for Yoshihashi. They headlined with Yoshihashi, and it did not work. This is a massive failure, in my opinion, to do 2,800 fans for this show. Um, what's your take on that? I think it's a big knock on Yoshihashi. I also think it's... This was Kenny Omega's first test outside of Tokyo. I'm not going to come down on him as hard because his opponent was Yoshihashi. I mean, Yoshihashi was working prelim six man tags, uh, you know, two months ago or whatever. What, what's your take on this?
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm trying to find that. So, are, are we positive it was Hiroshima last year? The Because I'm trying to find a destruction. Did we get it mixed up with one of the. Dominions or something like that because I can't find a destruction show from last year that was in Hiroshima. No,
1: that was 2000, 2014 see. was in Hiroshima, not last year.
0: Uh, I don't see it. I see Kobe and okayama for 2014. 2014. Was, yeah, so I'm just trying to make sure that we because maybe of we we'll have, have bad information. Will... I
1: searched the building and I came up with maybe it wasn't destruction.
0: I got a new beginning. Was that let's, is that possible? See. I got a so I got new beginning in uh, February 2014. I have a New Japan Cup in 2015 that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and then I have a new beginning in 2013. What's, let me let me check this February the, yeah, 2014. Yeah. Yeah, let's see here. Cage match. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Our good friends at cage match, of course, but let's go. <laughs> We're doing a podcast here. Why is it not loading? Well, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, all right. <laughs> let's
1: Let me, see, let me
0: ja- <laughs> yeah, hold let on. Me it's just up, it's, a yeah, let's it's it's not I'm, for I'm, me. let's go. I'm
1: pretty, well, you know what? If, it, if it, you're right, it
0: probably wasn't. A beginning. I can find it on the wiki. Okay, okay. So you had uh five zero. Oh, okay, no, it was. If it, was Tana, I if have, it
1: was Tanahashi Nakamura. It was New Beginning because they faced each other.
0: Yes, as, yes, 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 That was that. So one. I just okay. I
1: just noted the wrong show. That's all. It was yeah.
0: So it's a year. So it's February ninth, two thousand fourteen. I got five zero four zero. Is this one? So I think that you... yeah it's around you have twenty more than you had. Yeah, the main event was uh, Tanahashi uh, defending the. Uh, Intercontinental title against Nakamura. Then you had Bullet Club uh, versus KES, uh, Goto and Shibata versus Chaos. There's Nothing else on it. Uh, Kojima and Big Daddy Yum Yum, uh, Michael Tarver, and it was intense So there you it go. It
1: was it was Tanahashi and Nak carrying the show because you remember I remember talking about that too. If you're doing Tanahashi Nak, you don't have to have anything.
0: On you don't it. need anything else. Yeah, give nothing else. You give yeah, nothing else that. away.
1: You save everything else, right? And and they drew five thousand fans. And then last year they came back to the same building, New Japan Cup final. It was uh, Kota Ibushi and Hiroki Goto, and yeah. that did 5,100 fans. Um, and this year, 2,800. This is look. This was a bold move, headlining a major show with Yoshihashi. It took a lot of guts. It took a lot of guts to headline with the juniors in Tokyo too. This did not work. Um, it did. So, and, and again, I put most of this on on Yoshihashi. There is a history of Kenny Omega being able to draw. Um, now, again. The, the slight red flag, if you want to have one, is Omega hasn't really proven to be a draw outside of Tokyo. So they tested him outside. But his opponent was Yoshihashi. I'd like to see Kenny Omega in there with one Great. of the big boys. And then if it doesn't draw, like, okay, if this was Kenny Omega versus Okada, or Kenny Omega versus Naito or something like that, and it drew 2,800 fans, I'm pinning it on Omega because I know those other two guys can draw.
0: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. So
1: it's tough to judge Omega on this. But, you know, it, you know, look... They took a chance at Yoshihashi. It did not work out. Um, But the card itself was good. You want to go through the card now?
0: Yeah, let's do that. uh, Yeah, we'll just run that down here. Um, So we'll start with the opener. Uh, Six-man tag was Tenzan, Ricochet, and Kojima. Of course, they were supposed to have Seidel, but he had some travel issues, so he did not show up to the show. Uh, And they defeated Captain New Japan, Togi Makabe, and Yoshitatsu. Uh, There was supposed to be a young lion. Now I'm blanking on which young lion it was that was supposed to be in here, but he got... Uh, knocked out because uh, Seidel didn't show up either. Who? Which, which Which? is the young line that was supposed was to be it, in this Was one?
1: it Hanare or was it one of the other kids?
0: It was not Hanare. It was one of the other kids. Kanemitsu, like,
1: one of those dudes. I don't Yeah, know. I, I forgot. I, I don't have
0: it in front of me and I forgot which one it is. So Spare me for a moment, but this would have been his his first like opening tag match, take the pin pinfall right. uh, match, but uh, he got bumped out because Cydell uh, got bumped out. But uh, it was Tens on Ricochet and, and Kojima, of course, defeating New Japan Yoshitatsu and Togi Makabe. Uh, I thought that was fine. I mean, it was okay. Uh, I thought Kojima and, and, and Ricochet were, were fine, and uh, Togi Makabe, yeah, he didn't do much. <laughs> Catch and Katsuyu Japan Yoshitatsu, uh, you know, they're kind of what they are. I, I really dislike Yoshitatsu uh, immensely, and he's terrible, and he needs to go away. But other than that, I
1: think it kind of worked out better with. The match getting switched around because it meant that Captain New Japan took the fall instead of the Young Lion, which pushes forward that story because they're wrapping up the voting. On whether and it looks <laughs> like Captain New Japan is going to get kicked out of the Hunter Club. I'm wrapped up in this, real. I'm all into it.
0: Why does, why does Captain New Japan have to get kicked out? Why does Yoshi Tatsu get his ass out of there? We don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, maybe, maybe Tatsu. I want I want Captain New Japan to snap on that guy. I just want him to absolutely destroy. Him. I, I'm sick of Captain. Everybody keeps pushing Captain New Japan off to the side. I, I don't like
1: that at all. I'm getting kind of pissed about these that. these two men are going to feud. I hope people are ready for it because you're getting Captain New Japan Yoshi Tatsu <laughs> matches. It's coming. <laughs> Those are not going to be very. good. I, listen, they're going to be terrible, but I'm all fired up. Uh, here's here's. A, I know how you're going to answer this, so I guess this is more for the listeners really than for you. Is Captain New Japan a better worker than Yoshitatsu right now? Yes, I think he is too. <laughs> I, and, and in fact, I don't even think it's close. I think Captain New Japan is very good for what he is. I think I do too. His yeah. Role, and uh, Yoshi Tatsu and and Tatsu worked the majority of this match. You knew Togi Makabe was going to do nothing in a match. And that's, I forgot yeah. he was even in it yeah, yeah I mean it just is. and then he was on, did you notice he was on commentary later and um, <laughs> I let it run after the main event ended because I was just doing some things and it just I left it on the screen and they asked him a question and he's just totally zoned out because he was obvious he wasn't paying attention and they had to ask him the question a second time and then he kind of snapped out of it he was sitting at that commentary table clearly thinking about eating snack cakes and hitting on housewives he didn't give a shit what anyone had to say at that time he did Togi Makabe is the best. He just, he's look, you you give him, look, he tries hard. And when he's in position to where he has to try hard, but you put him in an opener or you put him at that commentary table, you know, he's old school. Yeah. He's just look, man. He's just, yeah, exactly. Old school. I'm not doing more than the bare minimum, but you know, this match was fine. Koji guys like Kojima and ricochet. They always work hard. Tens on two for that matter. So this was a very watchable match. Captain new Japan, Takes the fall as we for- – now, what's going on on the uh, Kobe show? I-, I assume we're finally going to get our breakup. Uh, let's see. They're taking on Chase Owens and Yujiro. So it'll be Chase Owens and Yujiro against Captain New Japan and Yoshi Tatsu. That could do it. That's got it. Look, they're going to lose that, obviously. That could be the big breakup. Interesting they're taking on a Bullet Club team. Do you think one of these men jumped to the Bullet Club?
0: Oh, Captain, do it. I've said for a while Captain needs to do Captain
1: it. Captain Bullet Club?
0: I think he's got to do here's it. Here's what I'm thinking. Does that kill the bowl Club dead? <sighs> if, like, Captain New Japan is in it? Like, I don't know.
1: But but here's what I'm thinking. I don't think we're getting that. I think we're getting the Tatanka Lex Luger story. I think Yoshitatsu talking all his shit. He's the one going to bowl. Uh-oh. What do you think of that?
0: I like it because then I don't have to watch him because then he could he can team with ya yeah, Yujiro sometimes and I don't have to watch it at all yeah um everyone expects it's interesting. To yeah Japan you're right 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 to get right. voted
1: out and be bitter and join Bullet Club I think Tatsu's the guy going heel I really do they got you know it'll freshen him up he's going nowhere fast his wheels are just Winning. And I'm not suggesting he's going to go anywhere as a heel, as a member of the Bullet Club, because he's not. He's not been the same since the Broken Deck. And it's not like he was, you know, he wasn't Mitsuhara Misawa before the Broken Deck either, okay? Let's be honest. But I I think it would freshen him up a bit, and I think he makes a better heel than Captain New Japan would. I,
0: yeah, I th- the Captain New Japan dynamic would be silly, and that's why I asked that if it would kill, you know. I As much as I'd love it, it'd be funny to see him come out, like, once in, like, you know, a black mask and all that sort of Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to kind of get boring a little could, bit. You, you could know,
1: bully him. You know what I mean? I could see them going that route if he's the one that joins where they treat him like shit. And he's sort of like a heel, but he's meant to get sympathy. You feel bad for him because he's getting bullied. Kind of like the old Bobby Dempsey thing when he was in uh, Sweet and Sour and Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of deal. There's a, st- a bunch of different directions that you go.
0: But I do like – I like the idea that, that, that Tatsu – because people are going to root for – people will root for Captain New Japan. You know what yes. I mean? Like I don't think anybody's ever going to root for Yoshitatsu. No. So, so if if Captain New Japan's the heel, then you got like a, just a, a match that nobody gives a shit about, and nobody cares about. But if Captain New Japan gets you know pushed aside, gets a beat down, like he he generates sympathy because it's Captain New Japan for God's sake. So he, you know he, he get rid of that Bullet Club or the Bullet Hunter, get up and get back to his red, and 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 then we're, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I, I would, I, I hope we do that, but I don't know. You find I kind of feel look, like we're getting Captain Bullet Club, but
1: you find me another podcast that spends this much time. <laughs> on the Hunter Club. A
0: right. waste of time. It's a consecutive weeks, too. Didn't we talk for them oh, about like 15 minutes last like week, month. too? I, listen, we gotta, I'm, all, I'm in They need to break up. They got to break up so we can stop talking about them. I, I'm yeah. all in
1: on it. I, I enjoy a nice prelim <laughs> feud. I got no problem with it. Bobby Fish, <laughs> David Finley, Kyle O'Reilly, and Ryusuke Taguchi uh, defeat Manabu Nakanishi, Tiger Mask, Tomoki Hanba, and Yuji Nagata. This was probably the one match on the show that meant nothing because Shibata wasn't there. The whole idea here would have been for Shibata and Kyle O'Reilly to sort of put, you know, we assume they're going to face each other at King of Pro Wrestling for the Never title. Without Shibata here, this match was completely meaningless. So, yep, and, and it was just
0: guys hitting each other on the ass, and uh, that's all I remember. I mean,
1: it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, but it was uh, just, it was, this was your New Japan eight-man tag that is completely forgettable. Mm-hmm.
0: It was a blur. I, I legitimately do not remember anything from it. I remember at post-match Toguchi hitting asses with Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley, and that's all I remember at all.
1: Gorillas of Destiny defeat Rapongi Vice. Now, this annoyed me because as soon as Gorillas... I, I thought Rapongi Vice were going to win this match and then challenge the winners of the tag title match later in the show. Well, I got half of that right, Rich.
0: <laughs> they did. Uh, but the, winners, the winners of the match did challenge. Th- and this
1: annoyed me because um, Gorillas of Destiny won. As soon as they did, I thought to myself, oh, shit. They are going to challenge the winners of that tag team title match, aren't they? Uh, It really felt like they were de-emphasizing Gorilla's of Destiny over the last few months. But here we go again. And here's the crazy thing. I think they're winning the titles.
0: I do, too. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because, of course, we have.
1: We we can merge these two matches.
0: Yeah, because the Briscoes defeated the Young Bucks uh, to retain the IWGP Tag Titles uh, here, which are no longer called the Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, which is just called the IWGP Tag Team Championships. So there's a little news note there uh, that I'm sure we'll expand on here in a little bit. But uh, what's the thing that you're going because I think everybody's kind of got, anybody that really thinks about it and really looks at it goes, oh no, you're right.
1: Yeah, I mean, the angle here is that the World Tag League runs, con- it, it overlaps with ROH Final Battle. Mm-hmm. And the Briscoes are million percent going to be on ROH Final Battle. So if they're not going to be at World Tag League, you figure they're going to want to take the titles off of them before that tour. So if they're going to do Gorillas of Destiny and Briscoe as a king of pro wrestling, that's really the only opportunity. There's no opportunity for Guerrillas of Destiny to then lose the titles back before World Tag League or even really Wrestle Kingdom.
0: <laughs> that's, that's the horrifying thing right there, right. is that they will hold the titles presumably until Wrestle Kingdom. Because when which...
1: would they lose them? Because you do the World Tag, <sighs> Tag League tour, yeah. the World tag week final there's never a tag title match it's it's just the finals and then there's no big show in between that
0: yeah they kind of jack around in december i think they do that singapore show or whatever like they're not they're not losing it in any of those
1: and they're gonna they're they're gonna yeah i I mean after world tag week all you really have are those christmas week quirk and shows and you know those are fun shows but they usually don't do like title changes or things like that because wrestle kingdom is set in stone by then so just because of all those factors with the briscoes not being around for world tag league and everything else it looks like they've chosen for whatever reason gorilla's a destiny to beat the briscoes a king of pro wrestling and then it looks like they're going to defend at wrestle kingdom uh, I, would, I would i it looks to me like ishi and goto are going to win the world tag league
0: i think so too yeah that was strong here we'll talk about that why one don't that we, match why don't but that's that's seen that yeah
1: okay uh Goto and Ishii they beat Chase Owens and Yujiro, and and Goto and Ishii have been winning tag matches and teaming together so we could talk about all three of these tag matches together that's what I loved about this tour there were so many tag matches and everything meant something you know and I I, I, I like that I get into that um so anyway uh, you know it's it sure they don't have as neither one of those guys have a singles direction it would make sense for them to win the world tag league and then face Gorilla's destiny at at Wrestle Kingdom now It would be nice if the Briscoes beat Gorillas of Destiny at King of Pro Wrestling and then are just absent for the World Tag League. Do you really need the champions at World Tag League? Would it be okay if they don't show up for that? Yeah, I think so. I don't know that
0: it, but are they okay with that? I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I, to me, I don't care. I don't, I do not give a shit because if it means, if the two options that you're giving me are the Briscoes are the champions and they defend them at Wrestle Kingdom against Goto Unishi or the girls of Destiny are champions and they defend them at Wrestle Kingdom against Goto Unishi, I feel like I'm going to go the Briscoes route regardless of what happens at the World Tag League, which doesn't really matter to me or really anybody.
1: Or, oh, you know what I just thought of? We could oh. get the dreaded three way in Wrestle Kingdom. Uh. Can't you see it though? Because, look, the Briscoes will not be at World Tag League, right? They're going to lose the titles to to, to God at uh, King of Pro Wrestling, and then they're going to be gone for the rest of the year. Ishii and Goto win the World Tag League to earn their title shot. So they're going to be in the match. Girls of Destiny are going to be in the match because they're champs. And then the justification to, to shoehorn the Briscoes in there is that they were the yeah, they lost their titles and never got their rematch. Which is what the Grill as a Destiny cited when they attacked them on this show <laughs> saying that they wanted their rematch. I bet you they're doing a three way at the dome,
0: which is even worse yeah. than just doing Yeah. I'd rather just have Gorillas of Destiny or just go to an Ishii. But- I mean you
1: can make the argument yeah. at least we'll get some interaction between the Goto Ishii team and the Briscoes, but it's like you got that shit team in the you know, in the mix and they're still not over and they're still not gonna They still suck.
0: Yeah, and that's. I think that's the pervading – is like – you know, I don't – we don't want to pick on them. And I I feel like we do it, and I feel like there are a lot of people on Twitter that sort of pick on them. But it's like – it's not just us, man. Like, listen to their music hits, and there's eight people clapping. Like, it is a a funeral – In in, that when when they come out, so it's not just us that you know what I mean. It's not just us picking on them because we don't like them for whatever reason. Like the crowd doesn't care about them. There's absolutely no interest in them coming out when they attack them. There was again the crowd just went. uh, You could feel like a noticeable groan from the crowd when they came out there and and attacked them. And 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 so it's not just like and I want I want to make that clear for people that just maybe think that oh we're just being hard on them. We're thinking about it from not only just what our personal things are because yeah I I don't think they're very good and I think they suck and they have terrible matches. But even from a standpoint of an interest level, it's just it's hard to. Why New Japan just loves this team so much? Or why they feel like they have to be in the mix? I, I especially now, especially when we, we talked about this match being such a big deal as it is, it being the IWGP Tag Team Championships, not the heavyweight. That now you've opened up this division that now anybody can fight for this title. Anybody that wants it, whether it's Sappangi Vice, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's uh, you know Red Dragon, whoever you open this up to any team, regardless of size. And you go back to the Girls of Destiny, which didn't work, had awful matches. I, you know what I mean? Like that's the disappointing thing, is that if it was still the IWGP heavyweight tag titles, I get it. Okay. You're low on teams. You don't want to put go to an issue there because they're gonna win the tagle, you wanna build it. But you've opened it up. You've done you've got your out. You have your out. You've made it, you created it, and you did nothing with it. I mean You went right back to Girls of Destiny.
1: You could have won a bunch of different I mean, for this placeholder title defense at King of Pro Wrestling, um I mean you you, you could have you could have had any. You could have had Chase Owens and Yujiro. You could have had any of these teams.
0: Yeah, Evil and Sonata. I mean, anybody. Like literally any two teams, and put anybody together, and you got and, it. And like,
1: just had the Briscoes not be around for World Tag League and defend the titles at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom against uh, you know after, you know they successfully defend at King of Pro Wrestling, they disappear for World Tag League, and then they face Ishii and Goto at Wrestle Kingdom. But you're right. It's it's it. it seemed like they were de-emphasizing Girls of Destiny and and. That, that wasn't the case. Here they are again, right back in the mix, and it is frustrating because they aren't good. Tama Tonga has regressed, and uh, I don't even know if he's right. He might just be. He look, it's 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 my thing. I always say the world needs ditch diggers too, and maybe he was a ditch digger. Maybe he was a prelim guy. Maybe that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because and maybe
0: we overrated him. We thought, you know, it, we always assume that these guys that we think are good and you know, five minute matches taking a bunch of you know falls that oh, if you make it a fifteen minute match, they will also still be good. But I, I, it doesn't always work that way.
1: Uh, he's been he was much more enjoyable as the Bullet Club bottom guy who would lose to Okada a couple times a year and take those great bumps for the Rainmaker than he has been as a pushed commodity. And we, we've been saying that you know it's his brother that's dragging him down and all this. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe he's just a guy who's better off as a prelim guy. I mean we've seen many wrestlers over the years where that's the case. So mm-hmm. it's disappointing. I was annoyed when they beat Rapongi Vice. But the good thing is it's very obvious that our good pal Gato listens to this show because they, they've allowed this tag thing to play out exactly the way we wanted it to. It's the IWGP tag team titles now, which means it's open to everyone. We've got all kinds of matches with the junior teams facing the heavyweight teams, but yet they have not eliminated the junior titles, which I think is the right decision. There's no reason to eliminate the junior titles just because the juniors and the heavyweights uh, are going to intermingle and face each other for the primary set of titles. You can still have junior titles in that case. Why not? And it looks like that's what they're doing. So they haven't eliminated the junior titles. They haven't combined the titles or anything like that. They've just opened up the tag team titles for everybody. And it it it, it and it does make things – look, we're not happy how this has played out, this little scenario, but it is interesting that it, it has opened up things for all these teams to face each other. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, Absolutely. So let's see. We talked about all three tag matches. So I guess next up would be Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, Kushida, and Mike Elgin against the four members of Los and Nobles. Look. You've seen these matches a million times now. They're always good. This one wasn't great. It was good. This had more of a – it was more of a story with Elgin limping around because they attacked his Mm -hmm. leg in Tokyo. So Elgin's basically working on one leg, but he was able to overcome that and get the pin. Here's the thing now. With Bushi as the junior champion, Evil has to take all the falls now. And that was something I was thinking about. I was like, who's going to lose? They're not going to have Bushi lose. And I believe Elgin did pin Evil, correct? So – uh, let me confirm that. I,
0: I'm almost positive he did, yeah. but let me uh, let me just make sure. So,
1: so yeah, so basically, um, you know, you've seen this match many times. This one had the little added storyline element of Elgin limping around on the leg. Now, does this mean that Elgin is going to be limping around on the 25th when he defends the title against Naito? And is that sort of going to be the storyline out to get the Intercontinental title onto Naito, where Elgin will have a, the storyline excuse of having the injured leg, uh, when Naito took out his leg in Tokyo,
0: I think so. I really do. And uh, just to confirm, it was the Elgin Bomb on Evil. So right. there you go. But yeah, I, I thought that that's uh, from the moment they attacked his leg, and then I saw him, you know, back again with it all taped up. And, and the story of this match was Elgin, you know, got so beaten out, he was he was he was out of the match for uh, a few minutes. You know, just completely. You know, I think I don't know if he got taken to the back or he was just out of the out of sight, out of mind for for a little while, and then came back and had his little flurry. But again, he the entire time is favoring the knee, holding it. You know, it's all taped up. It's got badges all over the place. Like that's I and I think there's there's a reason for that and there's a reason he's still selling it beyond here. And and I think it's absolutely that. I think it's absolutely that they want Naito to win but maybe want to keep Elgin somewhat strong, which is a good thing for Elgin, that they're not just going to feed him to Naito and then have you know him just completely just be, get destroyed and then not have that out. But I think you're always going to have that where, where Elgin can say, oh, you know, hey, my knee was 100%. That at least gets him a rematch at some point, which I'm sure we're, we're pretty much all OK, I think, seeing again. And then, yeah, I think it's just a good it, it, it bodes well for Elgin because it means that they they don't just want to feed this guy. You know, to Naito. You know, I mean, they, they actually think think highly enough of him that they want to at least have some excuse or some little out or whatever. Not that you know, Naito doesn't necessarily need that, but it's a good little thing. It helps. It helps both guys stay strong. Yeah, but here's the thing. The here's match. the thing yeah.
1: that people forget. Okay, and I see a lot of this talk, but it's like Naito is a heel. You know, it's like I don't care how much he gets cheered. Los Ingobernables Japan are heels. Um, the NWO got cheered too, wildly. Go back on your little network. And watch Hall and Nash come out and how the crowd goes nuts for those guys. But they were still heels. Los Angeles Japan are heels. Naito attacked him in Tokyo, and, and, and they went after his leg because they want him weak for the title match because that's how heels behave. Uh, Los Angeles Japan fights dirty because they're heels. And yes, they're popular, and they sell a lot of merchandise, and that's great. But so did the NWO. I think the NWO pushed a lot of T-shirts, didn't they? I, th- I think
0: so. I'll, the, I'll try the to confirm Bullet that. Club,
1: but... Isn't the Bullet Club wildly popular and still pushing tons of T-shirts, which is why they still exist, basically? I mean, you know, so this idea that because Los Noble's Japan sells a lot of merch that they're baby faces, or because Naito gets cheered that he's a baby face, it's false. He's a heel. Do You agree with me on that? I do. Yeah.
0: No, I think there's people get it a little confused at these at this point. It's. Um... I think they, they, they conflate like – because yeah, maybe – I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this because I think maybe from a, a – when you hear the reactions, like you're saying, when you hear the cheers, you immediately assume, oh, but they're still – the characters are still heels. Right. The guy, they're still bad guys. They're still bad people. Yes. The fact that people cheer for them doesn't necessarily mean that they're good now. You know what I mean? Like, they're still evil people. They're still, you know, jackasses that do all that sort of stuff. So I think we kind of conflate that a little bit more. A lot these days, I think we do it a little bit more as more and more people start rooting for heels and there's less of that, you know, 80s thing or the boo. You know, it's always yay or boo, but the shades of gray. People enjoy these guys, but there's, I don't know if there's there many shades of gray with in Gobernables. They're kind of dickheads. You know, they're assholes. But people will also cite the fact that Naito has said, oh, you know, I've been held down by the man, you know, like that sort of stuff. And people kind of conflate that in being, Oh well, he's a babyface, right? But he's, 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 he's anti-establishment, but he's kind of a dickhead about he's it. He's saying like, that for heat, right? Exactly. It, it, it's well, I always say we're Americans. We kind of we come from a standpoint of you, you know the reason Stone Cold was such a big deal is because hating our boss and thinking our boss is an asshole is a cool thing. You know what I mean? Like we enjoy that. We take pride in going, ah, my boss is an asshole. My boss is a fucking idiot or whatever. Like, I like to kill him. Like I don't know that the same thing relates in japan where it's like yeah it's cool to think that you're know, like your superiors are pieces of shit and you should beat them up like you know that we think of that as a face thing and we've have, have kind of come to thinking that that's cool to 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 not trust authority and not like authority but in japan uh not not as much right well
1: yeah i mean i don't know i'm not in their culture that's the whole point you know but i it's like uh, i do think i don't see this group any different than the nwo i don't see them any different than the bullet club uh it, it, you know they, they're they're they may be cool heels, but they're heels, is the point. Uh, you know, they attack people after matches. They have this deal going with Elgin where they weakened him up for this uh, title match. Uh, Bushi spits mist in your face the second the referee turns his back. They cheat. They're heels. They're bad guys. So, um, are you upset that that might hurt the match quality? of the Elgin Naito main event coming up in Kobe, or does that not matter to you? you?
0: I don't think it matters to me because I saw in this match and, 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 and particularly in this match that Elgin was just a, a house of fire as well, and the crowd was way into him as well, so I, I don't know that it's going to really affect it because I think it's going to be a cool little story where Elgin's sort of working through his knee and working through his leg to try to to, to defeat Naito and retain that title, so I'm okay with that. I mean, what will annoy me is if those guys just constantly run in and do that sort of stuff and Bushi, you know, spray someone with a miss, which, which could happen, but if it's just like if you're asking me just like the knee injury and that being sort of a a a thing to to hurt elgin a little bit if that's gonna hurt the match i don't think so i think it's still gonna be fine because i think he's gonna be able to build off that and really work it because he was the story of this match as well like tanahashi he might he might as well have not been in this match at all so when we say that like tanahashi's been de-emphasized during this tour like he was zero part of this match right like he was nothing
1: yeah i mean he's taking it easy in six and eight man tags again they're hiding him again um you know and that's this is going to be Tanahashi's career from here on out. You know, he's going to have a couple of big matches a year. He's going to bust his ass during the G1 and all the other time is going to be spent sort of in the shadows, resting up and preparing for the hard G1 tour, then resting after the G1 tour and then having a big time wrestle kingdom match. And that's how it's going to be for him until he's finally moved down to the Kojima Tenzan Nagata level. Right. Um, you know, when he, when he finally isn't able to do it anymore in the singles matches. So, Um, And and look, again, fifth from the top on this show, third from the top on the other two Destruction shows. Man, this was just bold booking all around. And Okada, Okada, the champion, no main events on the tour either. Very bold tour. Uh, Briscoes and the Young Bucks, just to dig a little deeper on this one, you thought this was the best match on the show, correct? I did, yes. Yeah, so um, what did you like about it? Now, I liked it. I thought it was an excellent match, but there there was at least one match that I liked a little better.
0: Yeah, I think to me it was just the fact that – and I went into this somewhat unspoiled at this match. For whatever reason, I I saw re- uh, like results of all the other things. But for whatever reason, this particular match, nothing I, – I didn't see anything. I and mean, that was good. I didn't want – then I went, ooh. Like I'm at this match, and I don't know how it's going to finish, so that was kind of cool. Like I don't get to do that that often, you know. Doing the you know running this website, I pretty much get spoiled on everything that I watch. So this was one where I went, "Oh, cool! I can kind of watch this out on my own." And I just the part of me, and I, and I mentioned this in the preview as well. There's nothing more that I love than Young Bucks when they're just like semi-serious. You know what I mean? Like they come out and they do their stuff during their entrance, and they're the normal Young Bucks. When that bell rings, though, there's sometimes when they just go out there and they want to win, like that, and you get that idea because there's sometimes where you go out there and they just kind of seem like they're fucking around. You know what I mean? Like and, they, and people get mad. About about that People do get upset that they seem like they're just kind of having fun in the wrestling ring and they're doing a bunch of silly moves that don't really mean anything because they think it's fun or whatever. And that's partially their characters as well. So I don't really hate them for that. I, I enjoy that aspect of them. But then they also have those times where they get in and then, you know, they just want to win this match. The only goal of this match is to win. And I thought that was them in this match from the moment the bell rang. Uh, for that entire 15 minutes of this match they were ready to go and they were ready to win and the Briscoes of course I, I, I you know it's the Briscoes I'm never I, I really have never seen them in just a bad straight up tag match almost in my entire life like they they pretty much deliver every time and the fact that this was devoid of any sort of run-ins of devoid of any bullshit I loved because it was just two teams that really badly want to win those titles and part of me was really rooting for the young bucks because if they won that opens up this whole different thing of this tag team championship then oh my god the, the, the juniors won or whatever they didn't end up winning but I thought one of the parts that I did enjoy about this match is that they held their own every single step of the way where the briscoes are the heavyweights the bucks are the juniors but it didn't matter the the bucks were right in there they they you know there was numerous near falls where they looked like they were right there there was numerous big spots and big moves or whatever and they were right in there but again the thing that i just really loved about it is that the young bucks kept it kind of simple in this match they just kind of did their their basic stuff which is i i love when they do that because it just shows to me that they that they, they can kind of turn it on and off in terms of their characters, which again, I, I, and I don't mind, I enjoy that, but this was, we want to win this match, we want to have these titles, and bring it to this elite, and bring it to the Bullet Club, because that's a big deal for us, and that I enjoyed. It. And I just enjoyed the back and forthness of it, and I enjoyed the fact that you really did not know who was going to win this. I mean, it was justified that any one of those teams, whether the Bucks or the Briscoes, could win this match in the end, and, and I thought Briscoes more than held their own as well, but I, I loved it. I really thought it was four and a half, or not four and a half, uh, about four and a quarter to four stars, about where I put it.
1: Yeah, the Bucks took it seriously. So you know they meant business is what you're getting at, and uh, I do agree with that. And it it, it was a very good match. So then we had Adam Cole defending against Will. Oh, and of course you know Girls of Destiny attacked the Briscoe brothers after the match, <laughs> laid them out and then uh, demanded their rematch Tama Tonga with an awful promo. How bad was that promo? I mean his promo was bad. It was the shits. I skipped
0: it. So I, I skipped it. I they, I paused it cuz I went to go do something. So I paused it right when they had ran in and then I I, I played it again and then Tonga picked up a mic and I just went I'm I'm I'm,
1: I'm I mean, just, <laughs> I have I mean like, just I mean
0: better things to do in my life than this. Just so.
1: speak like a human. I mean he he just he does this gluttural... Like scream, not even a scream. He just he just comes off like he's playing a character. It's like it's this whole nineteen eighties thing. It just comes off so cheesy. You know what I mean? It's it's I don't know. I it, nothing that they do is working for me. I'll tell you, the brother's coming around in the ring a little bit. He's not. His performances are no longer <laughs> offensive. They're kind of just average, <laughs> which is for him is an improvement because this is a guy who's always been below average. I mean, yeah. he was bad in NXT. He was bad in TNA. He was bad in New Japan. Now he's kind of just blending in. So from that perspective, if you want to say something nice about this tag team, Tonga Roa or Loa, I still don't know what the hell it is. It's Loa, right? It's Tonga Loa.
0: I think so. That's what
1: care. it says on Twitter. It's Tonga. His own Twitter says Tongaloa. Loa. It's Tonga. But, I mean, he's improving a little bit. Um, I just – I still don't think
0: he's <laughs> – I like that that's our praise. The 33-year-old is almost okay now. Like he, he's he's almost becoming acceptable in the he's ring. He's not so offensively
1: that, bad. <laughs> right. But they, they're still not over at all. I mean, nobody cares. Adam Cole defends the Ring of Honor title against Will Ospreay. He defeats him in about 12 minutes. Uh, I will say this. Adam Cole is a massive improvement over Jay Lethal in terms of Ring of Honor champions coming to New Japan. This was... Lethal never had a good match in New Japan, in my opinion. Um, Cole came out here. This was his first singles match in New Japan. Um, Arguably one of the biggest matches of his career, if not the biggest, because it's going to set the tone. He's, He's set to have a big New Japan run. Look, this wasn't a match of the year or anything like that, but I think Adam Cole delivered. And I think the important thing here, which separates him from the, the Jay Lethal stuff that we saw previous in New Japan, is that he just beat this guy clean as a sheet, and, and it was third from the top. It was treated as an important match, and he won, and he won clean, and he took care of business, and now he moved forward with Adam Cole. I think already one match in, he surpassed everything Jay Lethal did in New Japan,
0: I agree. Uh, I, I don't know that it was a spectacular match, again, like you're saying, and, and I think people maybe, I think we might have to adjust our because uh, w- w- I think a lot of us think that when there's an ROH title match on a New Japan show, these guys are going to go in there and they're going to go, okay, we got 10 minutes, let's kill it, let's have a match of the night let's uh, let's. Just, yeah. I don't think it's that anymore and, and Ring of Honor is not that company anymore either so I almost wonder if we have to sort of adjust our expectations when we see these matches this one in particular, because it had Will Ospreay I had super high expectations of, okay, Adam Cole's going to go in there and go, oh, look, it's a big opportunity it's my first time here, you know, in a big time match in new japan a big time singles match osprey it's it's your chance to go for a world title that's a big deal you know we're third from the top let's go out there and kill it and they didn't they worked it like a solid match and that's fine like when it was all said and done and when i saw the finish and i saw how it kind of was laid out i said okay they're, they're establishing that this title and that Adam Cole is, is a real deal, like that he's a he's a real champion, he's a fighting champion, and that he's better than a lot of the guys. You know, he's better than Will Ospreay. That's all they were trying to prove at this match. They weren't trying to have the most incredible match of the night. They weren't trying to have a match that you're contender. They weren't trying to make you go, oh, my God, Ring of Honor is incredible. I can't believe it. I have to watch this or whatever. You know, you can argue that that's maybe what they should do. I, you know, whatever. Like, it, it, all it proved to me, though, and, and, and again, like, because you, to your point of those Jay Lethal matches were garbage. Those Jay Lethal matches were, uh, you know, Truth Martin would run in and hit him with a, a book. And you thought the R.H. title was just some stupid little title. The, we said it. The R.H. title was the N.W.A. title. It, you know, Truth Martini was Bruce Tharp running in and just being a joke and that sort of stuff. And it's not that. Thankfully, with Adam Cole, one match in has proved, no, 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 I, this is a different title because he just went out there and straight up beat him. He was smarter than Bulospray. You know, Will Ospreay got a little too fancy, you know, a little too, you know, got a little too tricky for his own good. And Osprey, uh, Cole, caught him and won, and that was it. And you came away with this match going, okay, Cole's a good champion. He's a big deal. And there we go. Like I think that, and that's that's all we really wanted to do. But I do wonder if we have to sort of change our expectations a little bit. Where I think we get this idea that these guys are going to go out there and just try to kill it every time uh, there's a new Japan or uh, a Ring of Honor title match on a New Japan show. I I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. Or or it might. You know, know, there's just not time. Like you don't have the time to do it. I don't know. I it's just to me, I, I was fine with this match regardless. Though I guess would be my my closing thought.
1: Well, jeez, Rich, you could have summed that up in 10 seconds.
0: <laughs> well, no, I think it's important, though, that it wasn't, it, it wasn't bullshit and that it kind of towed a line of not being a spectacular match, but still wasn't the absolute dredges that like those Jay Lethal ones were. Look, you, you not know? everything
1: has to be a match of the year. And you're right. That really wasn't the purpose here. It would have been nice if it was a great. Look, it was fine. I didn't have a problem with the match. I thought the match was mm. good. Um, but that's, that's what it was. It was a good little match. Willow Spray, six and seven in singles matches in New Japan. That speaks to my point that I brought up a couple weeks ago. He's not getting this mega push that people seem to think he's getting. He's very much been treated like a guy who's got to earn his keep on this roster. And that includes the 5-3 and three mark he had in best of Super Juniors. You take that away, he has one singles win in New Japan outside of Super Juniors. And that was yeah. over uh, Teton, first round of the Super J-Cup. Okay? He lost to Kushida twice. He lost to Adam Cole here. He lost to Matt Seidel, second round of the Super J-Cup. And he's got some, uh, you know, he lost to Chase Owens. He lost to Beretta. He lost a Tiger Mask, okay? So they're not afraid to beat this guy in situations where, he, look, he's not getting a mega push. I mean, they've, they, they've told the story that Kushida is, is firmly better than this dude. He beat him twice. Now they're telling you the story, you know, they're, they're using him basically to put over Adam Cole and Adam Cole's first match. And he didn't even get past the second round of the Super J-Cup. So Willow Spray's got to earn his keep here. He's not getting this mega push like people seem to think. And look, he will. He will eventually. And I think it'll be a shame if people have this impression that when he does get pushed that he's being handed things because he's certainly earning his keep in this company. And he's done jobs to people who are who are way beneath his level. And, I, and not, I'm not even talking about Adam Cole. I'm talking about your, your Chase Owens and your Tiger Mask of the world that he's done jobs to. So – Uh, Let's not get crazy with the Willow Spray thing. And here's the thing. He is over. I'll tell you that right now. Because when he came out for this match, he got a real good reaction. And fans were behind him. So fans like this guy. So they'll be justified when they push him too. But this, look, this is exactly what it needed to be for Cole. I'm not a big Adam Cole guy. I like Adam Cole's out of the ring better than his bell to bell. He's never blown me away bell to bell like he has uh, like other people. You know, other people love Adam Cole as a. I don't. I I I. To me, he's still a guy who has a lot to prove to me bell to bell. And I'm not so sure he can hang in New Japan. We'll find out. This was a good start, though. I thought this was a very good start.
0: Yeah, and I think the real important thing uh, against is that it wasn't there was not interference or whatever that and it goes to your point about Osprey just sort of working his way up there is that it was again a match where Osprey tried to get that oscutter a bunch of times and Cole was just smarter and cut him off every single time and then Cole just won and it wasn't you know what I mean and that that's an important thing there not only for Cole to prove that he's sort of at this level of, of uh, well above Osprey but to show that Osprey is just not quite there either we saw that with the Kushida match is that like he's got all these flashy moves he's fine he does all this sort of stuff but at the end of the day a lot of these guys are still better smarter you know sometimes quicker quicker on their feet, that sort of stuff. And that's the story there, is that Osprey is still a young kid that that is still trying to look at He's He's got the physical gifts, but he doesn't have the mental g- gifts yet. He's going to get there eventually, but he's got to work his way up there a little bit. So yeah, the, the freak out of like, oh my God, Osprey's just getting pushed to the moon. It, it's not true. I mean, he's you're seeing that story right there. I mean, the fact that he's he is spectacular is, is maybe clouding the fact that he is just working his way up in this and that's what the story is that he's got spectacular moves but he's not that smart of a worker just there, was, yet. there, there you go was that's no, fine like, there
1: was no protection of him here he just lost
0: no i him. mean he, he no. tried his finish like four times and adam cole kicked it off every single time including the finish where or got onto the ropes was about to do it and adam cole just kicked him in the knee and then pinned him, and, and you know hit the the panama sunrise in the last shot and that was it like you, you know that's that's that, that that's there it is right there like yeah. that's
1: uh Okada defeats Bad Luck Folly. Bad Luck Folly does not get his title shot in New Zealand. Um, To me, this was the match I liked the best on the entire show. This was my favorite match on the show because I thought this was – and I know you have a different opinion, so this should be interesting. I thought this was different than all of the other Okada Bad Luck Folly matches that we'd seen over the years in that down the stretch of this match, they did something a little different. Okada worked with the weakened arm. And he kept going for Lariats and Rainmakers. And it was funny because he set up one Rainmaker on Fale. And it was like hitting a brick wall. He just bounced off of him. And I I just thought that was so clever to work the match like this. Instead of the way that they usually work this match. Uh, They added that wrinkle where the arm was so weak that all of his Lariat Rainmaker attempts had no effect, and he kept going for the Tombstone, but he couldn't lift Fale because he wasn't strong enough uh, because of the issues he was having with his arm. But eventually, the story was he overcame it, and he was able to do enough to beat Fale... And uh, to me, it was. It, look, it wasn't the best match they've ever had together. I can think of one or two others that I liked better than this. Yeah, I
0: think that invasion, the invasion attack match they had uh, this year, if I'm correct, or was it, I think was better. I, I don't remember if it was this year, or last year, but I remember. I forgot. It was an invasion attack of most positive, but I, I like that one a little bit more. Yeah, that one, but yeah. Go on, sorry. Me too.
1: Um, but this one I thought was different than all the other ones that they had they had done previously. And uh, that's why I liked it so much. But you, you're just, you have a Yeah, I don't
0: right? know. I, I just didn't like the finishing stretch all that much. I just thought, like, a part of me that, that kind of annoyed me is that it was Folly basically dominated like 10 minutes of the match. Like the first 10 minutes of the match was all Folly dominating him, which is fine. And then it just seemed like, you know, yes, there was that story of the arm, which I, I enjoyed, but it just kind of seemed like the last few minutes was just Okada running through his stuff and, and, and basically just making a comeback and winning and I, I don't know for some reason it just, it, I just I wanted a little bit more back and forth I wanted a little bit more of Okada holding his own throughout the match a little bit as well because it was just Folly beating them down Okada making his comeback and that was it and I, I just I don't know it, it just seemed formulaic to me I, it just didn't connect with me on the same level as did so many other people uh, and I, I again I guess to the point is, and and you sort of mentioned this, is that it was work different, where it was the arm was the focus here. I always enjoy the story of the guy having to slowly but surely work Fale down. You know, a little bit here and there, just kind of has to, you know, chop that tree down. We always say, we always use that metaphor here. You just got to slowly just chop the tree, chop the tree before it falls down, and then he's got his opening, and then he goes. I like that story a lot more than this one, which I felt was just Fale dominating him, Okada kind of hitting a few rainmakers, hitting that tombstone, and that was over. I I don't know. I just, it didn't connect with me on the same level that it did other people. But I I see why people. People enjoyed it, but I, I don't know. I, it just for me, I, I, I've liked a lot of their stuff uh, a lot more than this one. The
1: Briscoes Bucks match was way more dynamic than this match, and it was a better visual. It was It was more eye candy. But this match, to me, you know what Okada, Okada's getting really fucking good at telling stories in the ring. You know, we always laugh at that, but he's getting really good at that, at emoting and his facials and Telling, uh, you know, and, and, and telling individual stories in these individual matches. And I think, look, it can't hurt working with Tanahashi, who might be the best in the world at that, you know, eight times or whatever it's been since 2012, learning from that guy. I mean, just sitting in a room with Tanahashi and laying out singles matches with that guy has to be a great learning experience, right? So it's like, Okada's getting really great at this too. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's become a master storyteller in the ring. And I think that wasn't something that I don't think that was one of the tools in his toolbox, even as little as two years ago outside of the Tanahashi matches. But now you're starting to see this guy tell great stories mm-hmm. in his, that, matches. that I'll agree with.
0: Yeah. He's not like he was relying on just purely. Let me have an awesome match every single and, time. And out. You know running, what I mean? Like that was running the running thing through
1: his spots.
0: Right, and that was this thing, whereas you're starting to get a little bit more maturity where, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's going to take some people an adjustment period, and maybe I'm one of those people that has to realize that every time you sit down and watch an Okada match, it's not going to be what it was you know what I mean for a while there it was just you sat down, you knew he was going to give it all like that that you know the match against makabe it's just him and go, him and makabe going back and forth for you know thirty minutes or whatever like that you're not you might not get that every time, whereas maybe now he wants to sort of preserve his body a little bit, tell these little stories a little bit, and maybe that that was it, and then maybe it's going to take an adjustment level for me and, and some other people as well because I do agree this was solid storytelling in, in a way, but i for whatever reason just didn't connect with me, but I, I do agree though that Okada is starting to kind of get the finer points of that and understanding that every match doesn't necessarily have to be this knockout drag out back and forth i kick out of my finisher you kick out of yours like that sort of thing where he's more going into these minimalist sort of matches where we can focus on one thing and one sort of concise story and and go for that and really kind of drive that one home and i think he did that in this match whether or not i thought it was all that fun or dynamic or whatever regardless of that you know but
1: folly you really have to be minimalist there's not a lot you can do with a guy like that um you know Tanahashi's strategy with Foley is basically just to let Foley fucking beat the shit out of him for 15 minutes. I mean, those matches are brutal and, and stiff and nasty. And Tanahashi really gives his body to that guy in a way that he doesn't really do for anybody else. And then, you know, it, it's, it's how many stories can you really tell with Folly? It basically has to be a long beatdown, down. And uh, that's why I kind of enjoyed this because they mixed it up towards the end with the arm stuff. I don't know. I, I, to me, it was my favorite match on the card. Uh, the main event was Omega successfully defending in a briefcase, of course, against Yoshihashi and his terrible hair. And we kind of oh, the hair.
0: Can we talk about the hair?
1: It was just, I mean, it's his it I mean, I don't know what the man is doing. I don't know what it's- he's thinking
0: he's super Yoshihashi, I think he said that, I forgot who, uh, who translated that, I think probably Chris Charlton uh, translated that, He said somebody asked him about his hair and what the hell's going on, and he said, oh, it's it's me, I'm super Yoshihashi, and it's like, alright, and, and like, even his hair was bad when he had that, like, horrible bleach blonde or whatever, but we're not, that's not what we're talking about here, he came out in, like, it was slicked back and, like, greasy and wet, and like, what are you doing, buddy? And There was, like, hints of orange in it, like, I don't know what the hell he was doing, I, I don't know what, but Kenny Omega did call him out uh, in the middle match, I don't know if you caught that, but there was one point where where he was in the corner and omega said something about oh did you go to the hairdresser today well it looks like crap or something like that he like kicked him and i was like that's the best and like yoshi probably has no idea what kenny's saying it's like all right whatever you know i i love that but kenny omega's the best the other
1: other great thing was goto sort of challenged omega for the briefcase and in the post-match omega said goto i already beat you i beat you on the (laughs) biggest stage But I get it. It's typical New Japan booking that you would get another crack at the briefcase and I'm just dying like even he knows like what justification is there for Goto to get a shot at the briefcase. He lost his shot at the briefcase. Well, he was
0: he was he was outside the ring at the time. So. He
1: lost the he lost <laughs> his chance at the briefcase to Omega directly already. <laughs> he he has about as much justification for a briefcase match as Yoshihashi does. So I mean, obviously, look, they're going to do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had him challenge, right? Because he's going to look like an absolute dope. <laughs> or maybe they won't do it because with- i
0: don't know yeah because omega did say at the end like oh that's what you want to happen well too bad or go to hell or whatever i think he said go to hell at the yeah, end go to he said, I'm hell not gonna do
1: yeah. it uh, so i don't know so i mean you know if if, if there's a- but probably they're probably gonna do it if though, there's but, anyone yeah. on the roster who would ask for a match and not get it it would go
0: to- <laughs> that's what i mean you never know with Goto though like with any other guy you would say no no he went out there he'd look a complete geek if he didn't get it but it's it's our guy though. I don't know. Our guy tends to be a geek. So But
1: because what other direction do you go at King of Pro Wrestling with Omega? Unless you just put him in some kind of tag. Um so I don't know. Well they're challenging for the six man. Oh no, it's it's Cole in the bucks, right? It's yeah, not Omega. Yeah. So I mean it looks like they're gonna do Goto Omega, which I doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Um in, in, unless Goto wins, I mean that would be kind of silly too, right? I mean you're not they're not doing that. Obviously. No, I, I don't. I don't think so.
0: so yeah. Um, but the
1: match itself.
0: I'm Trying to think who else Omega could face. Who's he? Well, he's got Elgin. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys that he lost to in G1. If he, if you really wanted to justify it that way, uh, he already went through Yoshihashi. Shibata's probably in no condition. He's got a title, and Elgin is in no condition, has a title too. So yeah, there's really nothing there. So
1: I mean Shibata's facing O'Reilly.
0: Right, right. If he can we'll talk about the bit. Now it could he can be, make it which it
1: could be Elgin. I mean if Elgin loses tonight or so like we think he will, that would free him up to
0: And maybe they're just trying to kind of bide their time there, but you don't I even Goto is like extra geeky you know what I mean? There's <laughs> no challenges, it and then omega just says go to hell fuck you and then just leaves yeah, and he doesn't get it he and he just like it. comes back out next week like all right whatever but like i don't know do you want to build that go to ishii team a little bit more so i don't know maybe he is just being a geek maybe they said we need a geek who's not going to get the title shot go get out there like
1: yeah i don't know i mean if it, 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 it's obviously not going to be anyone else from chaos because they just would have had that guy out there so it's not going to be ishii or anything like that so it, it really can only be Elgin or GoTo, and I don't think they would have done the angle if it's not going to be GoTo. So they're going to do the GoTo match, I guess. the came for wrestling. I don't know. Um, but as for this match, I thought it went 24 minutes. It felt like it went about six hours. I thought the match felt like it was way too long. Um, it was a good match. It was a fun match. Uh, it wasn't a, anything close to a great match. I just I, I felt like I felt like it was. It felt. Like an eternity it felt like it was too long and when a match feels like it's too long, that probably means that there were some flaws with it, so what did you think?
0: yeah, I didn't hate it, but I guess i, I that's kind of the general consensus most people seem to be having is that it's like it was fine, it was okay. It, you know, maybe went a little too long. Nobody could really say anything bad about it because it wasn't a bad match at all. I'd probably go three and a half or three or whatever uh, with it. it. It was that, but I it, I don't know. It just never seemed to kind of kick into a different gear. It never seemed to it really do all that much. And I think the problem is because I don't know if anybody really thought that Yoshihashi would ever win. And, and even watching it, I never thought that he would win. So there were near falls that were happening, but it seemed like even the announcers weren't really getting into that. There was a point, I forgot exactly the sequence, but Yoshihashi hit, did something. And it was like he almost, like as close as you shi would ever have gotten to winning this match, and he got there, and even the announcers were just kind of like, oh, one, two, oh, one two oh no like I, it just seemed like a, it felt like so much of a formality, but the part I don't know, and then the fact that omega just didn't seem to it, it was a lot of back and forth. But yet still felt like a formality, you know what I mean? And that kind of that hurts a match in my mind a little bit when it's not like I would have almost Omega just goes in there and just dominates Yoshihashi and looks like an absolute world killer. And it's like, all right, Yoshihashi had his chance, but he's clearly a step below or whatever. But it was like Yoshihashi going neck for neck, and but there was never a chance Yoshihashi was going to win. So I, I don't know. And he never reached that level where you know we saw those past matches, you know, the Hanma match example. You know, Hanma historically. You knew Hanma was going to win, but he always had a way of going, oh, my God, he might actually pull this out. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. Yoshihashi well, never Well, I mean,
1: the, the answer yeah. is very simple. Hanma's a better worker than Yoshihashi. Right, so exactly.
0: And, he, and that's not – I like Yoshi. I think he's improving rapidly, but he's just not there yet. So
1: Hanma's good enough to have the ability to suck you in even when you know deep down that he's not because he's a great worker. Yoshihashi's not a great worker. Um, I, I, I like this new Yoshihashi gimmick of he's all heart. You know what I mean? They're basically telling you, look, he knows he's not good. He knows it's all about heart and guts with him. He even knows it. He flat out said in one of the promos in the lead up that he knows Kenny Omega is a better wrestler than him. And he knows Kenny Omega is more skilled than him. But Omega has no heart. And I have heart. And I've got guts and all this and that. Mm. And that's when he's at his best anyway. Making the hot tag in a tag match. Or making a big comeback at the end of a match and showing that heart and should because he's great in that situation. So I think it might have been better if Omega sort of dominated this match and wasn't taking Yoshihashi seriously. And then Yoshihashi makes uh, you know, the big comeback at the end and comes within an inch of of beating Omega, sort of like the matches Omega had earlier this year against Jay White and Juice Robinson. That formula would have worked perfectly here. But in a main event spot, maybe they felt like they had to do a back-and-forth match. I don't know. But I think that that other formula would have worked better I for Yoshihashi's yeah. character. So, um, look, not a great match or anything like that. But it was fine. Uh, a little long. I don't know. I, I It was probably my – might have been my fourth favorite match on the show, honestly. I, I may have liked Cole mm-hmm. Lowespray a little better just because – Yeah,
0: let me let me try to look at this real quick. Yeah, yeah. It might even be fifth for me. I'm trying to, because I, I like that Godo Ishii up uh, Owens Yudro match a lot. Um, it wasn't above that. No, maybe fourth. Yeah, fourth spot. Right. I'm kind of looking at it right now. Yeah, fourth or fifth. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it did, and I enjoyed it. Like I said, I would probably give it three or whatever. But I, I, it's just I, I liked a lot of the show. I thought it was a solid show, and this kind of seemed like a downer uh, to end the show. And it's it's it wasn't really any of their fault. I just think the form of the match just didn't work, like you said. I, I would have much preferred, yeah, Omega taking him lightly. And it, but it, it like from the get go, Yoshi seemed like he was kind of neck and neck with Omega. And I, I I don't know. I just didn't like that. I just don't think he's ready for that spot yet, in my mind. But I don't know. It, it was fine, but.
1: Destruction and Kobe, let's go over it real quick. This will be on the 25th, and we'll probably review it next week. We've got uh, the opening matches, Chaos, Beretta, Romero, and Osprey taking on Finlay Hanare and Harai Kawato, one of the young boys. So David Finlay, who, by the way, was on the winning side of his match. We kind of blew through that. But that's interesting, too. He's clearly no longer a young boy, and he's actually on the winning – like it used to be when Finley was in a six- or eight-man tag. He was not only going to be on the losing side, but he was 100% taking the fall. That wasn't the case in Hiroshima. He was actually on the winning side in his match. So I think that's uh, worthy of being noted. Um, Where was his match? Now I'm not seeing it. Oh, I'm looking at Tokyo. Uh, Let's see. He was Finley's match was... Oh, he teamed with Fish O'Reilly and Taguchi. And they beat Nakanishi, Tiger Mask, Hanma, and Nagata. So, I mean, that's, you know, normally in a match like that, Finlay would, you know, a thousand percent be taking the fall. Um, he'll be on the losing side in this match in Kobe, of course, but he won't be taking the fall. It'll probably be Hinare or Kawato, one or the other. Uh, Rich, something about Rapongi Vice that I've noticed, and maybe I'm the only one that notices or cares, but do you think it's odd that Beretta scores almost every fall when they win and Rocky Romero takes the, <laughs> takes the fall every time that they lose? Do you think that's odd, or am I the only one that, that thinks that?
0: Uh, it's odd. No, I, I think you're the only person that noticed enough to, to point it out, but yeah, it's odd. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what the justification would be for protecting Beretta and not, you know what I mean? Because that's protection. I mean, that, that's flat out what it, it here's is. What it mean, is. it goes like...
1: against the way New Japan books because Rocky Romero has been in the New Japan system since like 2003. Mm-hmm. He's the senior member of the team. And they're, very, they're always very conscious of that, where the senior members of the teams are the ones that don't take the falls generally, you know, in general, generally speaking. And But it's like he lost, the Girls of Destiny pinned Romero, and whenever they win a match, it's Beretta scoring the fall with that, uh, that sit-out pile driver, the Dude Buster, every single time. And Romero always takes the falls. I just think that's really fucking weird. It doesn't make sense. Beretta's been in the company for 10 minutes. Romero's been for over a decade. I I I totally don't understand that. But anyway, um, and you watch. I bet you in this six man and Kobe Beretta pins that one of the young boys. I, it's just it's it's I don't know. It just strikes me as odd. But I guess I'm the only one. Uh, Chase Owens and Yujiro against Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu. We talked about this. This could be the big angle finally where they break up Captain New Japan and Yoshitatsu. Uh, then we've got. Tenzon, Teruyuki Kanemitsu and Tiger Mask. How about that for a 6-man team? Versus Taguchi, Togi Makabe and Tomoaki Hanma. Uh, there's a lot of filler on this show, a ton of filler. We got Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata against Red Dragon. That's an interesting match. What do you see there? That's
0: always fun. Oh, I, I always like I always like the interactions of Nakanishi and, and Red Dragon. Those are always great. And Nagata and, and O'Reilly, I always like their interactions as well because you always get that sort of tease of the arm bar happening because both guys are kind of masters. I'd be fine with a Yuji Nagata-Kyle O'Reilly singles match, honestly. Like, I, I Yeah, I, I like that match. I'm way into it.
1: Again, juniors versus heavyweights as they continue that theme. Red Dragon, I think, is going to win the match. They'll probably pin Nakanishi in that one. Uh, let's see. And then we've got the six man titles on the line: Seidel, Ricochet, and Kojima against Adam Cole and the Bucks. Now that the Bucks have failed in their attempt to win the tag titles, I think they're winning the six man titles here. Do you agree? With that? Yeah, we
0: we we had talked about that last week. That you know, there's there's this weird thing of either they win all the titles or that. But the the most clear thing was they were going to lose that that title match that we talked about earlier. And then they were going to win this one. And yeah, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the Bull club wins this one.
1: Yeah. And then we've got, uh, Fale Omega and Tamatanga and Tonga Roa or Loa, whatever the hell his name is versus, uh, Goto, the Briscoes and Ishii. So, um, you know what? We, pro- there's,
0: there's all your teams. There's all your teams. We, we
1: probably, again, this is a, we're all stupid moment. We should have saw the writing on the wall. When they had God on the opposite side of the Briscoes in this match. But no one really made that connection. So uh, there you go with that eight-man tag. I would think that um, one of the – probably Tomatanga pins one of the Briscoes, right? To kind of set up the idea that they can win the tag titles. That's <sighs> probably what they'll do there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would see that. but Because um,
1: where, where else are to... you going to go? You're not going to beat Fale. You're not mm-hmm. beating Omega. Right. Um I suppose you can beat Goto or Ishii, but what good would that I guess
0: Yeah, it's gotta be like Raul pinning Mark Briscoe or something. You know, like it's gotta be something like that. You've got two
1: possible finishes here. You've got one of the Gorillas of Destiny beating one of the Briscos or Goto pins Omega. Those are really your two finishes.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's been an omega. Oh, well, yeah. just
1: if Well, if they're doing the briefcase. Oh, the briefcase. That's
0: – damn it. Again, we're so stupid. Why don't we just look at this match?
1: I mean, yeah. It's so, it I mean, so I mean, dumb. God and yeah, We're all at fault. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, and Kushida against Lewis and Godre Nobles again, this time minus Naito, of course, because he's in the uh, the main event. Uh, second from the top is Gato, Jado, Okada, and Yoshihashi against uh, Katoge, Harada, Marafuji, and Yano. So a little New Japan versus Noah action. Of course, the backstory here.
0: I'm shocked they didn't bring Captain Noah in to defend uh, Noah. Defend the, uh, Noah's honor in this match, but, you know, he must have been booked somewhere else. I don't know.
1: I'm just going to let that one okay. sit. Uh, of course, here, <laughs> the story is all about Okada and Marafuji. Uh, facing off here to set up the King of Pro Wrestling match. And of course, Gato and Jado because they are the next challengers for Katoge and Harada's uh, uh, GHC junior titles. So there's a lot going on here. Um, I've enjoyed a Turuyano-free New Japan. How about you? Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm a guy who's, who was kind of over him about two years ago. Uh, I've enjoyed it quite a lot. It's been so nice. More-
1: Having yeah. him out of the picture. He, of course, along with Marufuji, are the uh, GHC heavyweight tag team champions so we got a lot of titles in this match five of the eight men are title holders in this match how about that so um obviously what you're going to see here i don't think marifuji is going to pin okada so you're probably going to see one of the world class tag team take down one of the uh noah champions right to set up their little title challenge they got coming up
0: <laughs> you would think are they i don't know you think gato gets the pinfall or jato wins former former Rambo winner Jado? I don't know. What
1: sense would it make? Well, I guess Yoshihashi could lose, right? He could
0: Yeah, mean, you don't have to
1: protect him anymore. And then we've got uh, Elgin defending against Nato. I think we all think Nato's winning the title, correct?
0: Uh yeah yeah I think so too and I think the 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 Elgin selling his knee is only more evidence that that's the route they're going so I, I doubt he's gonna have a hurt knee and beat Naito you know what I mean like that that's such an unrealistic thing to think about is that Elgin's gonna you know uh, get through a hurt knee and, and Garbanabli interference and still emerge victorious like that that's not happening
1: and so. they're gonna unmask the new guy hopefully
0: right yes I hope who, who's your prediction who's your hot take on who that guy is
1: I mean. There's been a lot of different theories. I, I, I really don't know. Um,
0: yeah, that's cool. I don't know either. And I really don't know if I have a great guess for it either. So
1: I don't know if I want to know. I, I don't know if I want to figure it out either. Um, I mean, I, here's the thing. It doesn't have to be whoever's been under the mask up to this point. Doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that eventually unmasks because they haven't revealed who it is. It could be Captain New Japan or a young boy for now that's underneath that hood, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be – you understand what I'm saying? A lot of people, every time they bring that masked guy out, everyone goes scanning through, oh, well, let's see if Rush is booked in Mexico or let's see if so-and-so is booked on.
0: Yeah, they don't need that guy to be there. They're not going to give him a flight so he can go there and sit on the side and then walk away. Right.
1: So there's no reason it can't be Rush There's no reason I saw Katero Katero, uh, Suzuki um, has been a popular um, choice since he's sort of a freelancer, and um, it it, kind of fits the idea that they would want to add another junior to the group as opposed to another heavyweight. Um, So he kind of fits the mold. A guy that we're going to talk about maybe later on if we have time, I heard his name brought up, but obviously it's not going to be him because he has now popped up elsewhere. But I heard people saying that it could be uh, Manabu Soya, but obviously not anymore, only because he's sort of a big name guy who wasn't doing anything, you know. So, you know, um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't. I really don't have a decent feel. I'm still – I'm going to stick with Rush because it makes the most sense. I mean he's – Yeah, I think it's
0: it's going to be a junior, I think. I think I, – are we both – I think you and I both kind of agree with that, right? Like th- that, that team that, – that stable needs another junior more than it well, needs another heavyweight. then you don't think
1: it's Rush right? then because I would think Rush would uh, heavyweight if he came to New Japan.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you – you, I, I, huh. I don't
1: know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I still – part of me thinks it's going to be a junior though. I don't know.
1: So what about, um, let's see, how about Katero Suzuki then? Do you think he would be – now he's a guy who I think he's wrapping up. Let me pull up his cage match because Mm -hmm. he's been working for Wrestle 1 lately, and he was involved in their junior tag title – in a junior tag title program. And I know he had a title shot coming up, and I haven't really been paying attention to Wrestle 1 all that closely. I don't know if he won those titles or not. If he won those titles – obviously not going to be him um if he lost that match then he's a guy who's a freelancer he is a junior he is a major league caliber talent and uh he's a guy who i could see them bringing in for that spot um as you're right cage match is working real slow
0: yeah i just tried it too because i was but i'll go i'll go to the wikipedia for this See, uh, I don't think he is a champion right now. So I think you.
1: But the match—I don't know if the match happened yet either. That's the thing. He had a, I see what you're saying, he yeah. had a match schedule, but the point is, if he hasn't had that match, well, let's see.
0: Ah, uh, no, damn it, no, he won September 18th. He, uh, him and Kasayashi won the vacant Wrestle One Tag Team Championships.
1: Okay, so he's a champion in Wrestle One now.
0: Yes, so yeah, the, as of September 18th. So, so you, yeah, can maybe not. <laughs> yeah. you can scratch
1: him yeah, off. You can scratch. Yeah, he's done. It's not going to be Kataro Suzuki. Um, but it's funny because the eyes really did match. There was a side-by-side. Rob Reed put it up on Twitter, and it really did look like Katero Suzuki. So, I mean, that's kind of like... That sort of added fuel to that fire. But, I mean, if he's a champion in Wrestle 1, um, he'd have to lose the titles before they... Look, maybe they're not... going to
0: throw in the trash. Maybe he's going to throw it in the trash. Who cares? Screw Wrestle 1.
1: I mean, I know. It, you know, if we're, if we're <laughs> being honest, he could probably do that, get away with that. But, I mean... um. Maybe they're not revealing this man on the twenty-fifth. Who knows? He didn't show That's up. Yeah. He didn't show up at Hirash- in Hiroshima. So, or Hiroshima. Yeah, Hiroshima's a wrestler in DDT. Hiroshima.
0: What if? What if it's are you saying it's Hiroshima? Breaking news: Joe claims. I mean, that man is Hiroshima.
1: Let me tell you, Tanahashi went into DDT, punked Hiroshima, and never came back. <laughs> so it's like it would.
0: It would make sense. Yeah, it would it work. Would
1: make a lot of sense, but it's obvious. No, there's not a chance. I don't. Think uh, there's any chance uh. of that. Um, what was Shibata's match supposed to be in Kobe? Because he's been pulled from everything. Was he in one of those random? I. He, I he, yeah, most possibly was. Let me see if I can. He fire was probably it up teaming it. with Nagata and Nakanishi against Red Dragon and I don't know who. Uh, maybe a young boy or something. But um, I'm, I don't remember how they shifted that around. But the point is, yeah, while well, you're looking yeah. for that, um, Shibata has been pulled from the rest of the tour. Look, he wrestled the only match that mattered. He got the Bobby Fish match in. And, you know, that's a match we haven't talked about that on the, uh, on the Tokyo show. That was one hell of a match. I don't know what you thought of that match. I thought that was the best match of the show by far. Um, yes a great match shibata again with the nasty headbutt at the end and then that great visual of the blood just how does he get the blood to trickle down his face in such a beautiful ugly manner where it's just
0: <laughs> it's why i don't uh, people freak out i <sighs> people are gonna get mad i don't know if it's real blood i really don't rich has this it's wacky- too perfect rich- it's too perfect it's really hard to make your head like try it like i well, actually know what don't try it but if you want to Bang your head against the wall a bunch of times and see how clean the cut is and how it will perfectly trickle down and how the other person – and do it with your friend. Find a friend. Uh, oh, by the way, warning. We are not saying do this. What warning. Your friend warning, warning, is going to
1: let you headbutt was, them in the face? They're wrestling
0: fans. They're idiots. They'll do it. I think. I feel like I would do it if somebody came up to me and said, I want to test this theory out. And I would, that's you know Yeah, let's do it. But that's what I'm saying. Well, and you, gotta, you have a, a perfect – Perfect part of my point there is, does Bobby Fish look like the type of guy that says, yes, hit me so hard that you break open? I, th- do you re- I, I don't know if Bobby Fish is going to say yes to that.
1: I think you're nuts. I don't think there's any uh, – you, you basically think he's working this spot with both Nakajima and Bobby Fish.
0: Maybe not Nakajima. Maybe it just happened to be with Nakajima. And they said, this is good because you can't like, I, I don't know. I just don't know if you could do it as perfect as he does it every single time.
1: Do you not hear the sickening thud? No,
0: I hear the thud, but it's still
1: hard. to. So how do you think they're working that if you can hear that sickening thud?
0: I mean, he can still hit his, he can still make a thud and it doesn't like mean the blood instantly has to, you know what I mean? Like the fact that it, every time he does it, the blood trickles exactly in the same way. And the other guy doesn't also have a giant gash in his head or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to break your head open that hard. You know, try it. I, I'm saying it, it's not that easy. It's going to be a giant gash. I'm not. not I'm not going to
1: try it. Let's just make. I mean,
0: that don't case. try it again. Like I keep saying, try it, but really do not try it. But I'm saying, like I don't know if it would be as clean as it is.
1: I think you're out of your mind. I think. Okay. I think Shibata... you
0: think he's he's perfectly able to hit this thing every single time. So a small amount of blood trickles down his face, and the other guy does not have any. Like no worse for the. You can't tell that the other guy got hit at all.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. Nakajima looked like he was knocked out cold when he had. But
0: the Bobby Fish did not, though. No, the Nakajima—I'm one, I'm saying the Nakajima one. I think was real. I think that was legit. That one. No, you could tell Nakajima was out on his feet. Um, instantly with that. I don't know that Bobby Fish is going to say yes. Hit me so hard that you start bleeding.
1: But how do you explain the thud?
0: Well, you had to hit him very hard. I'm saying the the hardness to hit, break him open. Is I think a different level than just a, a thud, a, a hardness to make a
1: thud. So, you know, where's you know what what so where's the blood coming from? If it's I, I don't know. Okay then he's okay then we'll we'll find you're out. You're out of your mind. There's no way yes. this is a work. I mean I, that. Okay, are you?
0: Shabada is just so good at it, and it's so perfect every single I time. I think right? he's fucking right.
1: out where the blood comes okay. down his face. Fi- I mean, you know. What what all right well let's say let's go with your theory that this is some sort of fake blood right what makes you think he can get that to run perfectly down his face by the nope. same token right and how and how what, and what do you mean like the old blood capsule that doesn't really exist like that kind of deal? like what do you <laughs> think is happening
0: i don't know it could be blade a little bit a little bit of blade i don't He's know blading. I don't know. I actually don't know what he's doing. I, I'm just saying, like, I think it's too perfect. And I think the other guy is, you're really going to have a hard time finding another guy. And I really just don't think Bobby Fish is one of those guys that says, yes, hit me as hard as humanly possible. And because, again, Nakajima one aside, I think that one was. But the fact that Fish is, doesn't look like, I mean, would you hit somebody that hard? If you headbutt somebody that hard? the chance is that, that it's always going to be you that bleeds and it's always going to be a perfect bleed and that that guy is not going to bleed as well. Like, Because what's going to happen? If if it does happen where he hits somebody so hard and that other guy starts gushing blood too, then okay, then I'll say. But it hasn't happened yet. You know what I mean? It's been like the other guy just kind of like, oh, all right, whatever. Sure, you're like,
1: skeptical because neither opponent bled. Right. And the camera work and the production was just ready for it.
0: Right, Both it seemed like they're guaranteed, guaranteed that it's going to happen every time. So- like uh, again, the Nakajima one aside, that could have just been a complete accident. Oh my god, this worked perfectly. The fish one seemed like you you knew what was coming. The cameraman knew what was happening, and they zoomed in right as the blood was trickling. Right, there. you know what I mean? Like too perfect for me. I don't know. I I, I, I I got a conspiracy theory there. I don't know.
1: I jumped off my couch and screamed when he had the, the the fish one. I I was like, oh my god! And then what a great visual when he put fish in the choke. And you had the shot of the blood running down Shibata's face and Fish just dead behind the eyes. Maybe Fish was knocked out because that visual is, was just it, – it was it – was, I wrote in the review it was beautiful and ugly all at the same time. Like it just – it was just a great – and it just capped off what I thought was an amazing match. I mean Fish was just throwing this guy on his neck, which leads me to ble- – see, I think the work is the injury. I think the injury is the work. I don't doubt that Shabbat is hurt. I am 100% certain Shabbat is hurt, But and I, and I believe that they want to let him rest, and which is why they pulled him from all these other meaningless matches. But I don't believe the severity of the injury is what they're saying it is. I think they're going overboard on the severity of his injuries, and I think they did that to put over the fish mat, to put over – the story of what the fit, because if his neck and his spine were injured to the extent that they're saying, I don't think that they would want Bobby Fish throwing him on his head over and over.
0: I- yeah, oh, that, that too. Yeah, absolutely. In this match, I mean, we talk about Japanese wrestling and all that sort of stuff. They're not that irresponsible where the guy's got a cervical neck issue and he's taking you know those bumps. You know what I mean? Like they're not that heartless and he's not that dumb and Fish isn't that reckless. You know, what I mean? like that, that's where, yeah, I, I'm right with you on that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, so I think that they're over. That's part of the work, the extent of his of his injuries. But I look, I thought that was a great match. The the title change, the Bushi uh, Kushida match. I mean, that was fine, but there was a lot of shenanigans and it dragged on. And uh, that, I thought that I got was something super- for you, Joe. Okay, I right I, I
0: got a Zapruder film here. I'm watching the match. Okay. Fish puts Shibata up for a suplex. Right. Shabata holds on to Fish's tights, pulls them down, and then pulls them up, and then the headbutt comes.
1: Ah, uh, you're out of your mind! You think he's pulling a blade out of Fish's? Sword? I don't know. I don't know. If he's gonna blade, I, he's gonna have it in his wrist tape, like everybody else does.
0: I think he would. No, I'm saying he's putting it back. I think because he put, he goes in a suplex. The film only starts here. So he's in a suplex. I don't know what's going on here, but he holds something in his hand, and then it looks like he he holds onto Fish's tights and pulls them down, and then pulls them back up. His hand, I, I'll send you the link. I don't know. Oh my
1: god! You, yeah, I'm telling you. I don't know.
0: I, this. I think you got to watch it like at least three hundred times. You know, get an idea here.
1: I think you're nuts. I think Shabbat is crazy. I don't think he cares about busting himself open. I don't think he cares about concussions. Um. So I I think you're just off base there. But uh, I'll tell you. That I think the Shibata Fish match was better. Oh, that's
0: not the right one. Hold on.
1: I think that was better than any match in Hiroshima. What do you think of that?
0: uh yes yeah that was my favorite match of the entire weekend and it might end up being as well i mean of course uh, or the entire tour i should say um the the only one that i think has a chance of topping it is elgin naito but i think it's gonna really be a hard task to do because yeah i, I absolutely there's love there's not
1: match. much else on the kobe show if that draws i mean and i there they have a lot of confidence in naito as well they should because they really didn't give much support on that show at all especially for the size of the building but yeah so um those are the destruction rundowns man we uh Went pretty deep there. Are You still trying to send me this link?
0: I am. It's it's sent. So where is right. it? You don't, to, you don't have to. believe me. It's, it's in our little uh, our little uh, show prep.
1: Oh, okay. All right, sheets. All right. So on, I'm yeah. looking on Skype here. I'm telling you. What the <laughs> what the fuck is it?
0: Uh, it's a, there's like a chat in it. Do you want me to send? Oh, it it it's in to the, the chat. All right. Hold on. This, this is terrible radio. Let's let's maybe don't watch it now. Watch it later. Watch it all night. I want oh, you. I want your...
1: I'm firing it up now. I think. Okay. All right. Let's see. Okay, it's a forty-five second clip.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, you, you'll know in the first five sec- or about the first ten seconds or so. Look at look at that. I want you to look at that that right arm. It, it does some weird stuff. I don't know.
1: Okay, so his hand does. His <laughs> hand goes down Fish's tights. It does. Hold on, let me rewind this.
0: Yeah, you gotta watch it a all few right, times.
1: It, you, all right, <laughs> Hold on, let's see.
0: I'm more justified than I was before. I mean, before I was just like a blind. How was,
1: oh my? How was Fish's cock not just flopping? I yeah, he I pulls don't know. those tights.
0: <laughs> really down. I yeah. mean,
1: jeez. So does he pull something out of him? That's the key.
0: I don't know if it's out of him or I think he puts it in. So there's I don't the know right I hand
1: did. now. He's got it around Fish. No, nah, because then he opens the hand on the back of Fish's head. Now let's see. And he headbutts the front of the head. Oh, my God, you can hear the thud, Rich. (laughs) I'm not
0: debating that the thud occurs. I just don't know that the blood always occurs.
1: Okay, and and there's no blood. There's no blood at first. Right after the headbutt. And he kind of turns around and puts him in the sleeper. I'll give you the timestamp. Boom. (laughs) At about eight to nine seconds. It's post-headbutt. You get a good look at Shibata. There's no blood. okay. Then he puts Fish in the sleeper. And then when the camera angle changes, then you see the blood start to trickle down his forehead.
0: Oh, you know what's interesting here? I know there's a Pruder film there real quick. Um, bam, okay. At, at 10 seconds, yeah. he kind of lunges into his, his wristband, his wrist tape. Let's see.
1: Right before and the sleeper? Up.
0: Right before, as he's locking in, he's got the sleeper in, the camera's to his back, and then Shavada leans forward, like,
1: kind of putting... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he he leans forward, but but when when you change the angle, you can see that his forehead is really nowhere near his wrist when he does that Uh, thing. That I don't think you're on.
0: It's a jump cut. It's a jump cut. They're taking it away. (laughs) They deleted the tape. They don't want it known.
1: Really is an amazing visual, though, once he has him in the sleeper.
0: Oh, it's incredible! No, I, I don't care how he does it. I I I hope he does it forever because it's fucking and awesome.
1: Fish is fish bleeding? No, nah, he's not. And then he gives him the penalty kick, which is totally uncalled for. It doesn't need to be. <laughs> right?
0: I feel like you're dead already, but I'm just an asshole. So no, it's incredible. That match was awesome. So.
1: But I mean, yeah. I look. I I don't know. I just, um, I don't care.
0: It doesn't really bother me all that much. I don't care one way or another, but I just find it funny because people like go nuts about it. You know what I mean? Like we get that Twitter, they're like, oh, this is uncalled for. Why is he doing this? Oh, his neck's hurt. Like, what do you, as you say, the, the the new work is the old work, Joe. People are losing their shit over what this guy does in the ring because he's just a, a, a menace to his own health. And it's like, well, he, you know, maybe not. Maybe he's okay. Maybe he knows what he's doing here. Maybe he's a wrestler, but
1: it's not my fucking head. If he wants to concuss himself, if he wants to give himself brain issues, that's on him. It doesn't, I, look, I, I, they've been
0: too. Well, I'm going to enjoy it. Sorry. I, I'm an asshole, but I'm going to enjoy it when he does it and it bleeds all they're over the great, place. And it they're, looks they're awesome. great, like, I don't they're care.
1: Mem- <laughs> they're memorable spots. I mean, I, you know, so it doesn't, no, it doesn't bother me at all. But um, yeah, that's, that's destruction, top to bottom. All three Absolutely.
0: Shows. Let's talk a few more New Japan things before we get to some other topics. Uh, his injury. We're talking again. We're talking much about it, so we'll go here. He's been, cold, uh, of course, pulled from the rest of the ongoing tour, the Destruction Tour, uh, due to that spine injury. Um, you know, He successfully defended the belt uh, the past weekend. He slated to face Kyle O'Reilly, of course, in the future. Uh, but he's currently on sidelines. Y- you seem to think it's not as bad as they're saying. But no, because I don't, I don't, don't think he
1: would have worked the fish match, and I don't think he would have been – Agreed to get thrown on his neck the entire match. The story of that match was Fish taking advantage of this supposed injury and tossing him on his head repeatedly. I mean, right. if he was going to work that match just because he was going to tough it out and not, you know, they would have worked a different kind of match if the injury was a, was as severe as they say. He wouldn't have worked a match that was built around getting thrown on his head. So I think that they're working the extent of the injury. Yes.
0: Uh, Then Ricochet, there was some news that came out in the Observer today and uh, kind of you know, Rick Shea had some tweets as well that sort of spoke to this as well, but the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter this week uh, said that it did not look like Rick Shea would be heading to the WWE like many had assumed. Uh, the report is that he is looking to stay with New Japan for the foreseeable future. Uh, Lucha Underground also made a very good offer, and he may choose to keep working there and filling out the rest of his dates with indie and New Japan dates. And then he posted on Twitter, I think I got some great news. 2017 may just be my best year to date. So that's what he said, and that's uh, the Wrestling Observer says that that's in regards to his New Japan opportunities. So I ask you, Joe... If it is true that maybe he signs the New Japan or he gets some agreement that he's gonna stick there, if you're New Japan, do you do more with Ricochet? Do you not have him in a tag team and maybe just start pushing a little bit more as a singles? Or are you always kind of worried there's that nugget where he just jumps to WWE or where he does whatever that you can't have him because Lucha Underground might decide tomorrow that they're going to do a taping? Do you get worried about that? Or if you're in Japan, you say you got this guy locked up for 2017. Do you go with it? Well, I
1: hope he never goes back to Lucha Underground because Lucha Underground stinks. I've totally hand waved. It It does nothing for me. Um, I I completely ignore it now. It's just I, I can't stand it. Uh, I think he's wasting his time. I mean, look for him if he can get another big money deal with Lucha Underground. I mean, that's great for him.
0: Oh no, it's great. It's great business wise. I don't. I, I, but yeah, as from far a, as like a, our enjoyment yeah. of him, yeah, it sucks. I you yeah, it know sucks. I
1: don't care about Prince Puma. Um, I wouldn't even care about you know if he went back as Ricochet. Um, but I mean if if New Japan signs him and they have him under a deal for a year or, or two years or even just a year, then yeah, I think he, you absolutely push him as a single. You push him as a junior. Why not? Um, I think, you know, you obviously there's a chance to have a long feud with Will Ospreay. There's a chance to have a feud with Kushida. There's a lot of fresh stuff there for Ricochet as a single. Um, You know, I would like to see him sign with New Japan and spend a year or two there. I think that would be great. Uh, But it could also be him just, you know, working angles, uh, working promoters against each other, working for leverage. There could be a lot of that game going on, too. So who knows? Originally, we thought that that Lucha Underground contract was was going to preclude him from signing anywhere for up to like seven seasons of the show. Remember, mm-hmm. but apparently he's free and clear of that, and he's 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 free to do you know. And if I'm New Japan, I make a heavy push for that guy. He's super talented, and um, you know, obviously uh, gets over everywhere that he goes, and and I think he can be a star. So yeah, I mean. I think if they sign him, yes, you do push him. If he does not sign a contract, then you keep him in the same position he's in now. Sort of working tag teams and sort of as a part-timer.
0: Do you think do you do you think they should do a little bit even though he's only in there for a few dates here and there, do you feel like they should do more with him and give him those one off matches and give him a little bit more than nah, they do? Nah,
1: because if you don't have him under contract, he can disappear at any time. Because here here's the problem with that. If you push him harder and Lucha Underground throws a six-figure deal at him where he decides he wants to go to WWE. You don't want the guy up and leaving in the middle of a program or something like that. So you right. kind of, you know, have to be careful when it comes to things like that. It was probably risky, you know, putting the six-man title on him, but you figure he's a professional and and he'll at least do business the right way and drop a title or whatever. I mean, if he commits to he probably was committed to x amount of dates or whatever dates that he pro- you know, they probably had him committed to certain dates ahead of time which is how you do business so you knew at least you were going to have them for the destruction tour where you can take a title off them if you have to but you can't only plan so far with the guy who you don't have under contract that you're that you're working with on a date by date basis. So not, Agreed. Yeah, it's too.
0: Busy. I mean you could do one off matches but even then it, it, they like to build their things. So it's not like you can have him challenge and then hope that yeah, you, you know in that next month planning. like like if he challenged whoever you challenged Bushi in this match, you know what I mean, and then like somewhere in between this and King of Pro Wrestling he gets a contract or Lucha Underground says, "Oh no, we're taping this or whatever." Like you can't. So I get it. I do, but and this is
1: a company that plans things out months and months even years in right, advance. Right, right. I mean the whole Wrestle Kingdom Card was probably determined months ago. You know, at least the important stuff. So...
0: It just pains me when you see him in there and you're like, ah, oh, this guy's so good. He's just kind of doing, and I don't, I don't mind a tag team, but I think in this particular case, when like Seidel didn't show up and he was just kind of there, it was just like, oh man, like that's Ricochet. Ricochet's awesome, and he's just kind he he's him. just there, yeah. Like I don't know, I had that feeling even before I read the the Observer this week. I was watching that match and I was like, oh man, he's just kind of there, and it's like Ricochet should never just be there, you know, like not in his prime where he is right now. Like I, I just hate the fact that he's just there, but I, I get it, I, I, I understand, and and from his standpoint, I absolutely get why he loves which Underground. He gets to be with you know close. With his kid. He gets to be in America. He gets a guaranteed deal. He gets to do, you know, packs of tapings all at once. Like, I absolutely get it from his yeah, standpoint. It's a couple It's a
1: year. You know, it's easy. Well,
0: that's what we say about TNA. If, if you're fine working in TNA and you don't mind, like, sometimes not getting a check, there's nothing better than TNA. Like, a Davy Richards, that's the greatest job in the world. You come for a week in Orlando, you do all your stuff, and you're done. You go back to your firefighter job, you go do whatever the hell you want the rest of the time. Like, it, it's, a, I get, I absolutely get why people sign with TNA. I don't blame them at all. It's just, you know, look at, sometimes the check doesn't come. But
1: Look at Moose. He's getting 90 grand a year and he's free to work indies in between. Right. You know, and you show up at Orlando a couple times, maybe once a month or whatever it is. Not even once a month, right?
0: It's been about three months, hasn't it? Since they, they might not be able to fund their next
1: one. We'll see. But. You know, you're not going to get wealthy, but he's living a nice life right now. You know? mm-hmm. and, and a lot of those guys in TNA are who, who who have decent deals. You know, it was perfect for the for the for, for Maria and Bennett too. You know, it's 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 more money than they were going to make a ring of honor for probably less dates. They're going to be on TV. You know, they both want to be TV. Their end game is not wrestling. And this gives them television exposure and everything. It's TNA. We we say it all the time. It's a good landing spot for certain situations. There's no question about it. Um, So, yeah, it's same thing with Lucha Underground. But from a from a selfish standpoint, I don't want to see Ricochet and Lucha Underground. I'm not going to watch. I'd rather see him somewhere where I enjoy the product. So yeah, I'd much rather see him sign with New Japan.
0: All right, Joe. We can get to WWE land, but I, w- I did want to say before we do that though. Uh, I was going to segue. I think you said something about someone's someone's living the high life or someone's doing well. Joe, you were living the high life. And you know why? I'd love to hear this. Because you have a Mack Weldon sweatshirt. That's true. How is that sweatshirt doing for you?
1: Um. Uh, did it get below? Did it
0: get below ninety at any point this week? For you? No, to use it's it? been
1: ninety-five all week. Oh, okay, <laughs>
0: so, but but by you know by by November, late November, you uh, might be able to use it.
1: So. Uh, no, no, no okay. maybe late December. Maybe late December.
0: <laughs> it doesn't get chilly at night. Like, there's not one night ever where it's just a little chilly. You
1: know? I no, I could tell you right now,
0: it is. Yeah, what, uh, what's the temperature right now? As we're recording this at eight thirty-seven on a uh, a Thursday night. What is your temperature there?
1: It's eighty-three degrees.
0: Okay, well, that's not great. So. It's
1: eighty-three degrees. It's not hoodie weather. I'm at 73. I could almost justify it. You you can, yeah. you can almost justify it. Tomorrow it's going to be Tomorrow's going to be cool. It's going to be 92 tomorrow. So, oh, man. you know. It won't be cold until about the first week of January. Shorts on Christmas, buddy. But <laughs> but, but tell me all about Mac Weldon.
0: I, I, you know, I wouldn't mind that. But anyway, MacWeldon is the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They believe in smart design, prima fabrics, and, of course, simple shopping. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of MacWeldon, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. So not only does Macwell's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. They're great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, of course, Joe, or just everyday life as well, lounging, maybe recording wrestling podcasts like I'm doing right now. Anyway, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using our exclusive promo code VOICE. That's MackWeldon.com. You get 20% off using our promo code Voices and we thank them once again for sponsoring this show. And again, MackWeldon.com. 20% off using promo code Voices. WWE Land, you ready? I'm ready. You you had a morbid thing earlier in our, 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 our group Slack chat, our staff Slack chat. You said we are going to be Pretty much in perpetuity or until the brand split is over, either reviewing or previewing a WWE show every single time on this show.
1: Right. Because both brands have shows every month. So every two weeks, there's a show. So we'll either be previewing or (sighs) reviewing a show every single week.
0: Jesus. (laughs) What what is your thoughts on the brand splits? Now, we we haven't had both of these pay-per-views. Of course, Raw hasn't had their chance. Is it burning you out? Is there a malaise coming over you? Is there anything different post brand split WWE? Because we, we, uh, we, we posed that question a little bit on Twitter. We had some people that are already kind of saying it's already kind of grinding them out a little bit. We, we had a feeling that this, especially this Sunday, Monday, Tuesday thing, where if there's a pay per view on a Sunday, raw on a Monday, and then smackdown on a Tuesday, that you're ready to go anywhere else in the world but watch WWE on a Wednesday. Have you reached that point yet? Or are you sort of also just DVRing and it doesn't really matter to you? Are, are you at a weird point yet with the brand split? Or are you okay still?
1: I think, um, you know, if if we didn't have this website, we didn't have this show, there'd be a lot of stuff I would skip. Um, I think Raw stinks right now. I think now that they've settled in, I will say this. The two shows do feel different. It, the, the SmackDown show feels more like a wrestling show. Somebody put it best, and I can't remember who. I saw it on Twitter, and I can't remember who the person was. But SmackDown is a wrestling show right now, and Raw is a show about a wrestling show. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. absolutely. That's exactly what they are right now. And Raw has just been the pits. They've somehow managed to make Kevin Owens just a a cog in the wheel like you put it. Oh, my
0: God. We'll, We'll talk about that here in a little bit. So not not that I wanted to be in the Rich's right folder in there, but he came out with a suit last week, and I was just like, "God damn it!" It's,
1: like... it's just yeah. I mean, and he's losing clean to Roman Reigns, and it's like, well, I guess that that'll all play into the review of the show that we do of the uh, Clash Champions. But I mean, um, yeah, Raw is all about the same old bullshit that it's been about for for the last decade, and SmackDown has been fresh and different, and has been has there's been a, a definite change it's it, Smackdown look it doesn't land every week but most weeks I enjoy it far more than raw I don't have raw hasn't been good in a number of weeks um, and and the cruiserweight stuff this week was not good Um
0: Let's talk about that now instead of this clash of yeah, I think that's a bigger thing that you and I have a little bit more passion about. So let's talk about that Cruiserweight debut on Raw because you and I were, were very much looking forward to it. It was a big moment for the Cruiserweights to kind of look and feel different. It comes off the heels of an awesome Cruiserweight Classic, you know, a potential show of the year candidate in the Cruiserweight Classic finale. And then the introduction comes and it's, you know, it's at nine o'clock. Mick Foley's in the ring stumbling over his words. He has to reach for like a dusty, old, dirty, stained note card to talk about who these guys are. It, you know, as he's introducing them, he's basically saying, "Oh, you know, these guys are really fun. Like they're gonna do stuff that's gonna blow your mind. Like they're kind of cute." And like that's a, they come out, they have their, you know, you know, they come out. There's a commercial break before their match starts. They have to sit in the ring, and there's a commercial break, and the match happens. And I, I what did you think of this debut, Joe? Because I, I, I,
1: I don't. I think the, I think every single thing about it was bad. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. there was a single silver lining. With with the cruiserweight debut number one, maybe the match.
0: The match I didn't mind.
1: No, the match was shit, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, go ahead. You you first of all, you have a three hour and twenty minute show, and you give them one segment. You don't introduce any of these people. You don't give them any personality. You just have Mick Foley out there with a cue card because he can't apparently remember four people's names.
0: Well, he couldn't. (laughs) He literally tried and failed miserably. Yeah
1: and it's almost like you might as well just introduce them all together with the same music cuz it all no one felt like distinct or different or like they had their own personalities compare contrast that to how these guys were all introduced on, on Cruiserweight Classic where all 32 guys you knew something about them before they ever stepped foot in the ring they got everybody over before they even stepped foot in the ring on raw they just bring four guys out one match one segment no introduction to anybody. They bring them all out there cold. You take a commercial. What were these four guys doing during the commercial? <laughs> staring <laughs> at each other, making mean faces. Have you
0: ever, you, have you ever been to a live three-hour raw? I
1: haven't. I'll never go back again.
0: Yeah. It's, they, they're actually staring and making faces, or they're like music plays, and they like use the ropes, or they like look at the crowd. It's so bad.
1: Now, first of all, it's very obvious that nobody watches no, – no one in that crowd watched the Cruiserweight Classic on the network. Because none of these guys came out to end and react. Nobody knew who these four guys There was like
0: one dude behind the hard camera that was wearing a Kevin Owens shirt. And he looked very excited by the whole prospect of this. But other than him, nobody and there else there were yes. a
1: couple desperate people trying to start this is awesome chance and they were just
0: oh was that the most oh, i i was cringing at that too because it was like and it wasn't like they were doing okay stuff but like something just i think somebody did like a tope or something like that and they like fall the crowd and the crowd's not making any noise and you just hear like eight people being like this is awesome. and i was like stop it was like, you can't. it was
1: hardcore fans who felt bad
0: yeah, like come on, we got to do this, guys. Like we got to give him something. Like yeah, it it felt like that too, and like I felt uncomfortable hearing it. I was just like, Ew.
1: it was hardcore <laughs> fans who felt bad, who wanted to help the segment, is what. And it just the, the chance didn't catch on either time. The other problem was, and you can't really help this one, but you rolled this out in Memphis, which is like being in a fucking time warp. These are still people who sell out Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee matches where they punch each other with invisible chains. This isn't the best place in the world to roll out, you know, state of the art cruiserweight action. Okay, it's a weird fucking place where they like weird fucking wrestling. So that didn't help either. Okay, but it was obvious that people do not watch anything on the network aside from the pay per views and the scripted and like the non wrestling. Hmm. That's what people watch on the network.
0: Maybe NXT. NXT guys have done doing a little bit better. I don't know, man.
1: I, I. not
0: this crowd. I don't know about this crowd. I think other crowds have. Because I think we've seen a little bit more of people sort of – the, the NXT guys having a little bit more cachet when they come in. I don't know about it for this particular crowd. I think Nakamura could have come out in this crowd and they would have probably you know, not made a noise. So, so uh, but, everything... no, but, but your point stands, at, at least for this one, at, least, at and in general for the Cruiser Classic. I don't know that that many people watch that. So go so ahead. So
1: Foley doesn't know how to talk. Nobody knows who the people are. It's a fucking four-way match which guarantees that no one gets over. Because it's just guys taking turns. Cutting each
0: turning. other off, yeah, and, and people cutting each other and off. And the, the announcers
1: can't get anybody over because you got to split your time and talk about four people instead of talking about two people, which again makes it harder, which is why you should have had two singles matches over the course of the show, okay? So nobody got over in that match. Not a single person, not any of the four got over in the match. And then to me, the wrong guy wins. That's not the biggest problem here, but I don't think Kendrick should have won. That was an opportunity to get one of the other three over. But put one of the other three over. Why Kendrick? I don't understand that decision.
0: Yeah, when it would initially happened, part of me said, "Okay, that's good." You know, part of me said, "Okay, that, that's what a person that somebody knows that a casual fan." Of. Oh yeah, I remember. It was Ryan ten Kendrick. years ago. Nobody. No, and that's and that's as I was more and more thinking of it, and people were uh, people on Twitter were like, "Yeah, it's a good buffer. It's it's a good thing." People, don't, I I thought of it and I said, "You know what? Fuck that. No, this is supposed to be different. This isn't supposed to be. Hey, here's this guy that was a jobber ten years ago." now he comes back and you know he's somebody that you know so it's it's relatable I was like you know what no that's that now you're pandering and I don't want this division to be pandering I don't want this division to be all right we need to get somebody that somebody's gonna know that the some fucking idiot on the street we're gonna stop and go hey do you know who Brian Kendrick is yeah okay all right there you go this is a time to really build a new guy to really do something different with the division and that the fact that it was Kendrick made me initially go okay good he's somebody that people know and I said no it should be somebody people know it should be somebody different it should be somebody dynamic it should somebody that's going to blow you away it should be somebody that's going to go oh my god this is incredible oh my god this division is unlike anything i've ever seen whereas now it's it's basically the cruiserweight division for 2006 yeah it just so happens to have tj perkins in it and cedric alexander and other dynamic guys who yeah exactly you wouldn't know he was on he was on twitter he he was on uh they tweeted uh him and kendrick had a uh a heated showdown on twitter after the the show so there you go that's
1: totally inexcusable and then on top of everything else the champion is never on the show
0: who was there? Because he was on the pre-show, sitting there. You a, so you had him there the entire time. He's in the building, he, right?
1: You have a three-hour and twenty-minute show,
0: <laughs> which over yeah, it was a huge overrun too on this this episode. And
1: you have no time to get the champion of this new division on the show in any capacity on a three-hour and twenty-minute show. He didn't even have to wrestle. How do you not interview him? How do you not do a personality profile? How do you not have him come out and do commentary for the four-way? anything. Where is he? So now he's going to come out cold on the pay-per-view in front of a crowd that doesn't know who the fuck he is. So why would they care about him? This was botched a hundred. They did nothing. There's not one single thing on the, in this segment that they, they did right or that came across. Well, why would any casual raw viewer, know who Cedric Alexander is today after watching that segment on Raw. I'm talking about the 12-year-old kid in the Cena shirt. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the family that watches Raw every week or the people that were in the crowd in Memphis. Do any of them know who Cedric Alexander is today? No. Why would they?
0: They might know Rich Swan because he's the guy that's just having fun. They don't know
1: who Rich, so Rich
0: Swan is. He's just having fun. No, I, I know. They don't.
1: Do, do, do they know the difference between.
0: They might remember him as the dancing black guy as opposed to the other black guy. You know what I mean? Like Cedric Alexander is the other black guy. That's, that's, that's how they would think of him, honestly. Like, because they didn't differentiate him. And I, I don't mean that to be demeaning to Cedric Alexander. Of course, we love Cedric Alexander. I don't mean that to be racist either, but that was all they did is said, here's Rich Swan. He likes to have fun. He dances. Here's Cedric Alexander.
1: All right. <laughs> that's it. Th- Thank you. This was a 1998. Monday Nitro six man lucha match where none of it, where okay, there were some cool flips and none of it resonates with anybody. The only thing that was missing was a Kevin Nash run in to destroy everybody. That, that's,
0: we were waiting. People were really waiting for the Braun Strowman thing. It's it's so funny how, like, how gun shy everybody is, is that everybody was like, oh man, Braun Strowman's definitely like, mean, coming. I'm just destroying these guys. And, like, it, it didn't, I, I don't know, it wouldn't have been all that much worse than what they did.
1: So it's, it's, this didn't work on any on yeah. any level. Why during the commercial bumpers were they not doing those personality profiles that they did on Cruiserweight Classic for these guys? Why? Why not? We're
0: saying yeah, because that's again coming up. That you can do up later. Bingo, that's exactly. I was gonna say they never at any point said you know here's a Brian Kedrick profile. Oh, at the top of the nine o'clock hour or at the top of the third hour, you're gonna see this dynamic wrestler in the ring. You know, this cruiserweight. They didn't. You know what I mean? There wasn't any of that. It just came. It was just a segment on the Throughout show. Throughout the
1: whole show, that's what the commercial bumpers should have been.
0: Yeah. Coming up in an hour is this dynamic Cruiserweight. And then just show a bunch of highlights of the Cruiserweight Classic. That's coming. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to
1: arrive. Coming up later, the debut of the Cruiserweight division. Here's Rich Swan.
0: Yeah. Do, do you remember when Rey Mysterio was coming into the WWE? Do you remember those promos they played for him? Uh, wait, for who? Uh, Rey Mysterio.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Those were awesome because that was – so what they did is they basically showed the mask and then in like five or ten seconds just showed a bunch of fucking crazy rave stereo spots and said coming – you know, he's coming this week. You know what I mean? They said this is dynamic. This is different because it immediately said to you this is different. This is unlike anything you've ever seen. This man is faster. He's different. He's got a – mat. like they just in in that ten seconds said this man is something to look out for because he is going to be different than anything you have seen on this show. And this Cruiserweight thing was not that. It was absolutely the antithesis of different. It was every single thing that Raw was. You could
1: have just replayed the Cruiserweight Classic personality profiles. You could have just replayed the same ones. Or you could have had pre-tapes. Or you could have had just video highlights from the Cruiserweight Classic and have Corey Graves tell you about the guys.
0: Yeah, well, Joe, you don't want to do that because people are going to tune to Monday Night, uh, Monday Night Football then. You don't want that to happen because, of course, nobody does that until you know, they're not going to do it. But then the second you play the video, everyone's going, oh, I'm going to watch Monday Night Football. So, you know. So
1: it's like. That's why
0: they do it. You know. You could
1: have done a million different things.
0: To <laughs> the ratings aren't getting killed by Monday Night Football already, and it's probably the only people staying are still wrestling. No, you can't. No. The point no, is they did ridiculous.
1: nothing, and they brought them out there cold in a fucking four way where nothing resonates and they never introduced the fucking champion. How about have TJ Perkins come out after the match and go nose to anything? They did nothing. They did nothing to get that. De- and, and the problem with this is it gives me zero confidence moving forward that it's going to get better.
0: Yeah, and one night it's pretty much over, right? Is anybody excited anymore? You can't
1: be. How can you be? I don't it's, know. It's yeah. because, again, and then there's people saying, oh, well – it was only one night, or it was only one match. But precedent, people. Right, precedent matters.
0: <laughs> we're not, we're not pulling this out of our ass. I mean, history
1: and look precedent. At this company, yeah, company. Right. I think I've been watching this company long enough. Okay, I've been watching this company since nineteen eighty-five. I think I have a pretty good feel for how they handle things. There's enough precedent and history here to make me think that this thing is already dead. Okay. It, it's 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 very close to already being an afterthought and it's not going to be true. Look, it's very clear. If this was week one, what do you think this is going to look like week seven? There's no pr- they, 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 it's not a priority.
0: Right. And the raucous crowd is probably not going to help matters either. I mean, Vince already probably doesn't like it. It <laughs> doesn't really believe in it. And uh, that's not going to do any wonders.
1: And, and look, they might go out there and have a great match. At Clash of Champions, I'm sure they will have a great match. Maybe by the end of the match, it'll get over because, but they're not going to get anything when they they're going to be working in front of a dead crowd to start that match. Because why would anyone be invested in that match? Do you think this company? I mean, they have to see the numbers. They know that nobody like they're that they're that no one really watched this except for hardcores, right? The Cruiserweight Classic. They have to know that. I'm sure. I mean, that's what the crowd reaction in Memphis told me. So, you know, why do they think that this – that goes to show you that there's no, it's not a priority. They're making no effort to get this thing over.
0: Right. And I think that's the biggest thing, too, is that even if you even if you assume and we talk about this all the time, is that there's this weird thing with WWE that at one time they assume that hardcore fans watch all this stuff and do all this stuff and that they assume, okay, I don't have to do this because all there's hardcore. But then they also they'll they'll say, oh, those are just a a small subset of our crowd does that. But the rest of the big crowd does this. But in this case, you assume that, okay, we're just going to have these guys come out cold. We're not going to build them up. We're not going to do anything. And people are going to know because people, you know, were, we're into like, I don't know if they assume that or whatever, but it's just weird. It's this weird dynamic where they just don't seem to understand or, or, or get like what the hell they want out of the hardcore fans, what they want, the difference of the hardcore fans and the casual fans, what the hardcore fans want, what the casual fans want. But either way, the, the, the simple thing to do here is just play those goddamn videos and ha- make it seem important. Yes, the hardcore fans are not going to be pissed off because you played this video. They're not going to go, oh, I know all this already. I watched all this. I don't want to see this again. They're going to say, great, again. Ooh, cool. This is fun. I saw this already. And the casual fans, I don't know, might actually know who the fuck these guys are and maybe aren't going to immediately turn away to Monday Night Football. But they, they, they just can't do it. They're stuck in the Monday Night Wars. They're still stuck there. They don't want to. Sw- You're going to switch to WCW if they play a video, so they're not going to do it.
1: I mean, how many people you think watched on the network? A couple hundred thousand. And you know, Raw had Maybe. how many people watched Raw this week? It's not three million anymore, right? What is it?
0: No, it's under. It's somewhere under. Add uh, two. Two I
1: point something is, million six, yeah, people. So
0: two point, yeah, somewhere in that range.
1: You know, the large majority of your audience is <clears> all cold to them. So it's just not a priority. So now, yeah, it's very hard to be excited about. My my expectations now are just, I hope I get good matches on TV. That's all you can really hope for. Because it, it, and it, it's not going to be like it was on the network. And I feel bad. Look, I'm glad that some of these guys are getting opportunities. Look, it's great that Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan and TJ Perkins, and uh, Mascara Dorada are on Raw. I think that's awesome that these guys are getting these great opportunities. But it's going nowhere, man. And from a fan perspective, I'd rather they just keep the cruiserweights on the network where it was great, and it was And we were just so we were just talking and so excited how it might have been the best thing this company's ever done for the hardcore yeah. fan.
0: <laughs> a week later, I'd rather
1: just keep it there. Then
0: it's beating out of us. Yep.
1: I mean, fuck it. I'd rather just watch it there.
0: Yeah, well, uh, people were talking about that. I think it was on our forums or something like that. We were, we were having a discussion about it. And one thing that I really enjoyed, and, and somebody brought this up and again, I, I forgot who it was, is that you could have it be on the network and have it be a separate show. And then I thought of a great idea too is like you could then have it be, if you want to just have it on a pay per view, you know what I mean? Like it might be cold, it might be not great, but whatever. You could just say, hey, you know, these, these guys are on, you know, the WWE Network on the exclusive, you know, exclusively on the WWE Network is our Cruiserweight show, but here's like a showcase. Like have a show. You don't have to have it every single month, but maybe every so often those guys pop up on a pay-per-view, you need an extra spot to fill or whatever, you, you have those guys go up there but they can live in their own little world, their own little universe that they do on it, you know, it, it's purple, it's different, it looks different, it, it has everything that the Cruiserweight Classic was, and it's its own little brand and you can utilize that sometimes if you want on Raw in the main roster, but don't have it be force-fed where you feel like you because I, I guarantee we're already right at that point where Vince goes, ah, I gotta, uh, we gotta do something with them, you know what I mean? Like, And that's that sucks, that's awful, and that's that's um, that's why I'm almost in a way glad that a few of the guys said no nah, I'm good I'm just going to go do my own yeah, thing yeah. you know I'm, that's why I'm glad as Sabre said yeah you know what they they made the right choice where I think a, a swan and an Alexander I think they absolutely did make the right choice for where their career is and where their career is going and all that sort of stuff I absolutely think they made the right choice but I do see why some people that had a little bit more pride said you know what No, I'm good. You know, I'm just gonna go do my own thing because I I just don't. I I I just I'm not liking how this is going. I'm not liking where this is going to be. What we because it's not gonna get better. It's not it's really no. This uh, is it. Let's be honest. It is. This is what it is. Let's be honest. Yeah.
1: Anyone who's waiting for this to be like it was on the network, you're nuts. They're not because you waited for the
0: fucking Kevin Owens thing, and this is where it's at too. You know what I mean? (laughs) We I'm waiting, and it's still nothing. Like
1: what (sighs) what we saw on Raw was the complete opposite. Of how it was presented on the net we didn't get shitty four-way spot fests on the network we got matches with great stories and great backstory and great work and athletic comp, it was just presented like athletic competition. It goes to Raw, and we get a fucking run of the mill four way where nobody,
0: yeah. And well, the other thing, too, that I think is important about it, too, that not enough people I, I think we're talking about it, is that Kendrick worked at like a heel, too. He was like a like he was going in, cutting people off, and kind of taking extra cuts, and, and you know, taking shortcuts, and kind of just being a smarmy dickhead the entire time. Which, you know, if you watch the cruise, it's not at all what he was. But they needed, you know. I'm sure somebody said, "Well, who's the heel or who's it?" And uh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I I promise you, that was part of it. Is that Kendrick thought, "Okay, I'm on the main roster now. I, it just can't be me being the 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 underdog." He wasn't the underdog in this match at all. At any point was he the underdog?
1: Or you know, the veteran on his last legs? No, he it's, wasn't that either.
0: He was the he was the smarter. You, you know what I mean? Like he came in and he was always you know cutting guys off or hitting them at you know tossing them to the outside or hitting their knee on this or he was always doing that. He was a heel in this match, and that that's not at all what he was in the Cruiserweight Classic.
1: Just compare our enthusiasm last week to our. <laughs> it's it's just ugh. It just I that whole segment yeah. left a bad taste in my mouth. I, I thought the entire thing was an utter failure from start to finish but i I you know transitioning into this clash of champions, which we're going to go over i i I hope they kill it, knock it out of the park. I really do, but if they do it'll you know they have everything working against them, and it's 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 a shame they really could have set it up nicely, and you know we got what we got we got a shitty four way match, you know, and I don't put it on the announcer. look, how do you get four guys over in in in
0: I, th- I I honestly thought that Michael Cole and those guys did a very good job in that match. And Michael Cole was rifling off whatever facts he could. You know what I mean? Like he and he was you, you know was rifling off names and rifling, doing as much as he could to make up for the limitations that a four way match thrown on a raw, given commercial breaks, given two commercial With breaks,
1: four brand new guys. Right, exactly.
0: Like I thought, he did a fantastic job. And people, you know, rag on Michael Cole all the time. I thought he carried. I, he was great in this of just like trying to get the story. Okay, here's Rich Swan's story. Sorry, I gotta like run. And you know, in between spots or in between things happening, he had to tell you. Okay, Rich Swan's parents died. Like that, that's why he's. You know, that's why he uses wrestling. And you know, okay, all right, well, let's move on. Like you know, like that. It, it sucked, but yeah, yeah. I, I'll give him credit. He tried. He tried his ass off. You could tell that he did extra notes because I, I promise you, it wasn't Vince McMahon in the earpiece going, "Talk about Kodo They Bushi.
1: basically they, <laughs> like, they crammed." They crammed weeks and weeks of Cruiserweight Classic into twelve minutes. that's what they attempted to do, which is put it four ways.
0: Yeah, they crammed (laughs) weeks. (laughs) They they crammed ten weeks of the Cruiserweight Classic into twelve minutes. Into twelve minutes and divided it by four. And divide it right.
1: That's exactly right. So how do you expect anything to resonate? I mean, seriously, I'd love to go to Raw this week or go to this pay per view, and just you know, just just pull the crowd. Hey, do you know who Cedric Alexander is? Does that name mean anything to you?
0: Part of me wanted to go to the show, so maybe no, I'll do it.
1: Nobody is gonna know is gonna remember anybody in that match. It really it, it, it really is a shame. And then you're gonna do a four-way spot fest and you're gonna take a commercial break in the middle of the match. I mean, <laughs> why not make it a segment where there's no commercial break? You know, a four-way spot fest and you take a commercial break, which means you have to do the rear chin lock spot. For right. three minutes, while two guys lay on, the, lay on the fucking apron outside the ring, which kills the momentum of the – they couldn't even get the four-way spot fest right. They couldn't <laughs> even get that part of it right.
0: Well, uh, one thing that you, you, you mentioned WCW – WCW used to do a pretty good job of that is that whenever they took a commercial break during a match, Tony would be like, no, don't go to commercial. Like, no, we're this is – like, you know what I mean? The action was going insane when it was happening. And that's one thing that WWE doesn't do anymore. That they used to be they used to do that on the old Raw Dames too, is when they had to take a commercial, it was like killing them. Oh my god, we're gonna miss this action. Oh my god, what's gonna happen during this commercial? Oh, I hope we don't miss anything during this commercial. Whereas now they get the headlock in and it's like, All right, good, cool, we'll go to commercial then. Yeah, we come
1: back you know what I mean. we We come back and Kendrick has swan in a side headlock.
0: Where they used to – remember that? they used which, to be a thing you, where it was like, well, I, all right,
1: no, if, if yeah. the finish
0: happens, like, we'll tell you. But like, oh my god, I can't believe I had to take a break during this intense thing. Like, that would have been the best. It's like in the middle of a tope. It's like, oh,
1: crap, we got to go. But, like, but, no, no but, damn but, it. But, like, but, Rich, but Rich, think about it from this perspective too. They had a hard enough time getting the crowd into this match, and then they killed all the momentum of the match with a three-minute side headlock during a commercial, mm-hmm. which made it even harder for these guys to get over with the crowd because all the momentum they built up to stops dead. And then they got to start all over again. Everything about this was a failure. Everything. You couldn't, have, you couldn't do this worse than the way that they did it, short of someone coming out, and short of Braun Strowman coming out, was the only way you could have made this worse. And there's people defending it. I don't, how? It's indefensible.
0: Let's get to this class of champion show. Speaking of opener, T.J. Perkins, Brian Kendrick. I don't know. if There's a pre-show, but this I assume will be the opener of the actual pay-per-view. Uh, it's cruiserweight championship. T.J. Perkins, of course, defending his title against Brian Kendrick.
1: Pre-shows Nia Jax and uh,
0: Alicia Fox. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which fine? Finally- that's actually a well-built. That's like the second best built feud. It, it is. It's a well-built. <laughs> like it's really not bad. It's not. No, there is a good build, with it. and and it's a good. It's simple. It's so weird. It's a, it's a throwaway opponent that Jax can can kill, right. and it doesn't matter because Alicia Fox, I mean, she's, you know, she is what she is.
0: Are they doing a better uh, job of building Nia Jax on the main roster than they did on NXT? Because I think they are.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's not even close. Okay, so you're with me too. Okay. Because she's just a monster killing people. Right. And why did they do that on NXT?
0: We never understood that. We came out of the show every week and we're like, why is she just not destroying people? Okay. This, all right. is, a, this I-
1: is a rare example of the main roster handling an NXT talent better than NXT did because that's almost never the case but in this and in, in her case it is the case absolutely
0: well they're good at the monster thing i mean that's that's one thing that Vince has always been great at is like getting that monster guy that's over true. that that he knows how to do